0: Minds, Lawrence. From Riverwalk Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Cube, the Cube, the Cube, the Cube, the Cube. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 75 of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer podcast. Brendan Mann, it is finally the Age of Vampers. Yes. It is wonderful. <laughs> it is so freaking exciting. Dude. Yes, yes. So
1: this is an episode that we have been really excited to record since, yep. since we saw the previews for the Army, however many months ago it was. This is an Army that Dan was really interested in picking up. The predecessor to this book, Legions of Nagash, was the book that I really cut my teeth on in terms of hitting the tournament circuit hard with, so it holds a special place in my heart. I know that this is a book that a lot of you listeners personally have reached out to me and said that you are excited to have us talk about it, so we have a real high bar to clear in terms of expectation (laughs) uh, that we're not always entirely used to, but... Hopefully, you know, we'll be able to give you some insight as to things you can look forward to in playing this. And remember, in regards to 3.0, some of this is going to be subject to change in a little bit, but this book was likely written with 3.0 in mind some of the fundamentals and mechanics are going to remain useful and helpful to you regardless of the edition you're playing this book in.
0: Absolutely. And we've got a little bit of good news from exciting news from Bruce City Brawl that we're going to talk about. So that was wonderful when you sent that out.
1: That is correct. I have some more news too as well. I was writing the pack together for that this morning. So we'll talk about that when we get to events. But that's wonderful. But yes, for those of you that were interested in knowing more than my just, yes, it's scheduled. Like, you know, please be patient with me. The
0: answers, I actually do have something concrete for you to, to put down. Okay, so let's head on out and talk about this amazing battle tome. We'll be right back with Whispers from the Warp. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die.
1: Brendan Duder, yeah, what's going on? I'm finishing up my Slaves of Darkness stuff. Oh, good, I'm almost done. I have a couple of bases still left to do, but I finished all the spells. I have one unit of Untamed Beasts left. I found a unit of Splintered Fang, and yeah. I was like, oh, well, I have yeah. this, yeah. and it technically goes with this army, so I might as well paint this. I added that to the list of things that have to get done, and I also have three Varenguard left. I'll, have, I'll do three more later. And to- that'll
0: be what? Nine or 12
1: total? That'll put me at a total of nine. Nine, okay. I aim to have 12 at the end of it because a unit of six spears is quite good. So these last three are being built with spears. They are visually different enough. I would feel bad kind of combining them with the other weapons and saying like, hey, this is the same thing. Okay. But like the demon weapons and the ensorcelled weapons look similar enough that if somebody told me it was one or the other, I'd go, yeah, it's fine.
0: Yeah, right.
1: (laughs) Spears are different enough. Painting the Guard take a lot. I don't want to get more right now because I, I don't think I have enough gas in the tank to do mm-hmm. six more. But I think I do to get those two Warcry teams done and that last three. And I can just sit there and be like, look, this is it. And then the project is done for now. If I need something else later, I'll come back to it. Great. I built the Mirror Kanan's Reapers. Yeah. They're all primed. Those went together amazingly. Uh, cool. Like, just... I know people malign push fit in okay. a lot of cases. I had no issues with this kit. That's great. It it went together quickly. I think I built the whole box of it in like twenty minutes.
0: Hmm. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. <laughs>
1: It's good. And then I've been working on painting the Crimson Court. I'm almost done with the third one because I've been doing it in the order of ones I was most excited to paint uh, from least excited to most. Mm. So I have the kind of feral one and the duelist done. And then the third one is the uh, the count. Yes. And then last is going to be the beefy mace boy
0: yeah, yeah i <laughs> love him he's my favorite i love that guy
1: such a cool model yeah. so that's what i've been doing it's not been at the same paces before but mm. with 3.0 around the corner and there being some events on our collective schedules mm-hmm. i may be a little more excited to start getting some of this stuff done because i bought a bunch of soul blight stuff that oh, yeah. i didn't have I want to be able to have the deck clear to be able to work mm-hmm. on tournament lists without feeling bad about setting aside hobby projects. Sure. That makes perfect so sense. So I, I want to get that done before we have too much here to to interfere with that, and then we'll, we'll address that. But what about you, Dan? You, uh, you've you got some stuff that I know you need yeah. to get done. Yeah.
0: And we're going to talk about games play. We played a game. We did. and. I tried, And we'll talk about the details. I tried a whole new thing for my night. I actually played a battalion, which I never do. Mm. And I was really excited. And I think you were pretty impressed, too, by the way my hex rates performed. They did pretty well. Pretty good job. I had five painted already. But they looked like blue cotton candy. They just looked terrible. (laughs) So I ended up repainting. And I got all 10, my first unit of 10, finished. Nice. Based everything. They're ready to go. I've got two more boxes. So 10 more, two more boxes of five coming like Wednesday. So I'll have those at least built in prime by the time we do another event we're going to talk about on Saturday. And so that'll be my next thing is to finish those 10 hex rays. And my knight of Shrouds is about halfway done. One of the things hobby-wise I found with him, I had built him, right? Mm -hmm. And it was like, how the hell am I supposed to paint the horse with this guy on it? Because there's so much of the horse underneath of the the guy, of the knight, you know? So it was like, okay, I have to figure out a way to remove him without, like, chopping up the whole model. So it ended up, I made, like, two cuts, and he came off, Hmm. which was perfect. Because then I could paint the horse independently. If you haven't already, if you're going to build a knight of shrouds on a steed, wait to put... The, the guy on the horse before you paint the horse, because it made a huge difference. It made it so much easier to actually make the horse look decent. So I should have that done by the end of the week as well. But those are my things I'm really focusing on to get those done for an event. we got coming up in the middle of July, so I'm sure surely on track for that. I should have everything I need ready. And then at convenience, I'll get the Herodins done, and then I can put my night haunt in my box, and they'll be finished. I won't be adding anything else to them, so... That'll be a nice thing to have that army done. So that's been my hobby, really, uh, doing all that stuff. It's been busy. Right, because
1: you you also are trying to clear the deck for Soulblight models. (laughs) I got like
0: 12 boxes. You have
1: have a lot more to do than I do, but yes.
0: And I think I'm going to cut my teeth on the Crimson Court because I Mm. do have them built and primed. And I thought that would be some good models to try it, a couple of paint schemes. And get your split. skin set
1: on, get yeah. your armor set on. And you can split it up between the four of them if there's different stuff you want to try. Because they are supposed to be like disparate. Mm-hmm. I was painting it all the same because my scheme is already done. Yes. But yeah, if you're looking to try out you know what, what you want to apply, especially in maybe a vampire-heavy setting, that's... It's a good way to go. And I
0: think, too, I want to give a try. You know, I've talked about those Army Painter metallics that I've used that have really, they look good. And so I think I might want to try maybe a green color for Mm. some armor or something like that that's different and go some different things. So that's really once I finish my Nighthawn. That's my first kind of toe in the water for my vampers. So that'll be great. All right. Hobby, we're moving on. Uh, we have received, of course, waves and waves of 3.0 news, specific rules, all kinds of exciting stuff. But most importantly, yesterday, we got the pre-release information. Yes. And the day before we record our next episode, June 19th, is the pre-release date. And July 3rd, there's going to be a two-week pre-order. So July 3rd is on the streets for 3.0 and the General's Handbook. Yeah. Yeah, and we've seen some stuff already, and pricing and all those kind of things, I think, have come out. And there's going to be, of course, the box set. We've seen all the stuff with Dominion. But that's very, very nice that since the last show, we've gotten that locked down when we have dates and things we can work from.
1: Yeah, and follow along on Warhammer Community about they're doing, like, drip feeds of different rules. (laughs) Yes. Of course, none of it has the whole context of what it is that's going on. You can live and die with your emotions on a paragraph of information. (laughs) Right. Or you can look at it and just go, oh, cool. I wonder how these things are going to interact with some of the other stuff. You know, because they talked about new things that heroes get to do and new things that monsters get to do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my first reading on that is, oh, well, this is really exciting for people who are Sons of Bayamette players. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, A smaller board and, you know, all these rules. And then, you know, you're kind of forced to ask on the other side of it, well, I wonder what their points are going to be now. Mm -hmm. You know, because they're getting... These extra rules-hmm sure so I recommend keeping a level head yes when reading all of the previews, but yes. If you want to get excited for what this is, that information is there. We don't have anything more than that. We're not special snowflakes. who <laughs> no,
0: we don't get all the pre-release stuff and extra copies of this or that. One other thing with that, Brendan, is if you don't usually listen to the whole show, and if you do, of course, we're going to talk a little bit more in the show close about some details, at least our plans for 3.0, so you can make sure that you're following along with that. Because I think what we've talked about is maybe doing it in two stages, because there's going to be so much.
1: Uh, it's an addition change. And we yeah. want to make sure that we get you the right information.
0: Yep. You know, we'll do whatever. is always time stamped. Everything is. And you can move around and, and check that out and see how you want to follow us in terms of 3.0. Okay. We got... As we just talked about, the Dominion preview came out. We also got the new Auric Clan, which was really cool. The Stormcast models, of course, they're always the Space Marines of Sigmar. They looked great. The new Auric Clan looks so interesting. So one of the things I really like about this
1: is that they have confirmed that these models, this range, the Cruel Boys, are going to be part of the Auric War Clans book. (laughs) Great. So that means in the War Clans book... You're going to have Iron Jaws and Bone Splitters and Cruel Boys. And I hope that that means you can play Big Wah using all three of them. That would be so fun to see. Not across from me, by the way, (laughs) but just somewhere. (laughs) I think that'll be real slick. I think at least what they've shown... Is the cruel boys bring to the table some things that those other two lists just Mm -hmm. simply don't have. Playing an army where you can kind of mix and match that with losing some of the things that make them special is neat. It's worked out well so far with Iron Jaws and Bone Splitters where you have gotten a a really unique feeling army that does its own thing. Mm -hmm. That was very nice to see in the
0: confirmation of previews and then 40k we had a fact that dropped we had the chapter approved book with the munitorium stuff which is the points come out there were rules in there for the great pre-rules i guess you could call it for the gray knights and thousand sons which don't have their dexes those are coming later the chapter approved was very controversial in terms of overall reaction to it because for example there was an errata that was released like A day or two after this thing came out. And you're going, whoa, wait a minute. Already? We're just picking this thing up. And there was also some controversy in terms of the way the rules were released for, you know, these the Grey Knights and stuff and the Thousand Suns. People are thinking, is this going to be what's in the book or is this just kind of a bridge, you know, until the books do come out? And it's a lot of discussion, but they're there. So if you're interested in that kind of stuff, grab it. And then we got some fun orc news for 40K that... Orc Toughness is going to five. So basically, they're adding one to their Toughness, including Grotz, mm-hmm. which are going to Toughness three. Yes. <laughs> so you can't double them out with those bolt guns anymore. But it was really kind of fun to see that addition because we know the Orcs are going to be getting their own decks. Those kind of things were cool. And it looks like those Beast Snaga guys, uh, this new Orc clan, as it were, uh, they talked about them having a six-up vulnerable save, kind of built, you know, Baked into their rules as well. So th- that'll be interesting to see how that affects the meta as always. Uh, we have sisters. We have a dex. We have that big abbess walker, huge model, beautiful model. We got war suits. We've got the sacrosynths, which are kind of like crusaders. To me, they've got giant shields basically and weapons. And then we got the Dogmata. She's an individual character and she's just like staring you down. It's kind of interesting to see the model up close. But that's all stuff for sisters. So just adding to their collection. Necromunda has a new house that's been released now, House Cowdor. If you are going to be an emperor worshiping person, you might as well be fanatical about it. <laughs> and these guys are fanatics, basically. They're religious fanatics in the story. And we got the book and we got a gang, which is great. You know, one more to add to Necromunda. And it's great to see they continue to support that game uh, very actively. Uh, of course, Kragnos is here the battle tome and the model we got the medusa the iron scale medusa we were just talking about that before the show the warsong revenant that we are going to talk about in cragnos when we review that next episode we got five box sets we got skaven snesh yeah yep and then we got the croak and then we got a beast beast box, yep so that all came out and then the father daughter Witch Hunter, the Van Dests, they came out. Those models are there. And then we have the two Slaneshi models that look almost exactly the same.
1: They're almost greater demons kind of a thing. Right. They're almost keeper of secrets, but they're separate. Yeah, well, it's a dual kit, obviously. Yeah. In terms of the box sets, the Skaven one's really quite good. Looks really
0: good. Storm Room. Ouch, man. I'm uh, not Storm Room, um, Storm Friends. Yeah, Storm Friends. Okay, we'll call them that. All right. Yeah, the, the, the War Scroll is actually Storm Fiends, but the yeah, shorthand for us is Storm Friends. I have Friends. faced off against those guys. They're just nasty. Yeah,
1: so that's three Storm Friends, a Warlock, Bombardier, and a and, warp cannon. and the Cannon, yeah. which was the half of the Flesh Eater Quartz versus Skaven. And the mm. Flesh Eater Quartz box was the other half <laughs> oh. Shh, don't tell anybody that we figured it out <laughs> so that one has some good uh, rebuying power to it the slanesh one does as well i don't know necessarily how good the units are right mm-hmm. it's it's slanesh. it's five seekers it's on the old models it's three mm. fiends and it's an epitome so like yeah you could okay. again i don't like the slanet the sylvaneth one because you have a named character in there yeah, like sure the Beast of Chaos one, Beast of Chaos boxes drive me nuts, <laughs> because no matter what, it always includes a Cygor Gorgon model. Yes, it's got that and Bulgors, right, Minotaurs. Right, the the Bulgors is fine. I feel like every Beast of Chaos player <laughs> must true. own
0: like five like of those things between
1: four and eight yeah. of that kit, because <laughs> so it true. basically comes for free <laughs> with all of the other models you're trying to purchase. That that would be that price. Any other way. Uh, that is crazy. It drives me insane. Just put uh.
0: a different monster in there. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so that's all the stuff. Either pre-orders for the weekend or uh, what's coming out this weekend.
1: Yeah, and you're going to have some Dominion orders on the 19th, obviously.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: And, you know, and that's where you would order your handbook or your core rules. Whatever it is that, that you want for 3.0. So yep. just prepare your wallet for that purchasing time period. Yeah,
0: it's coming. So, Brendan, let's talk about the game. Let's talk about non-Sigmar, because we played a game. Yeah. And I, a game I really appreciate you taking the time to do, because it was very instructive. But let's talk about other stuff you've been playing. I don't think I've been playing okay. any video
1: games, really. Right. We finished finished Wasteland 3, which mm-hmm. I talked about on the last show. Yep. And then I've really just been watching playoff basketball. Like mm-hmm. That's it. That's what this time of year is. Yes. Uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of first round games, and as we go further, there's fewer and fewer games to watch. Man, but
0: our neighborhood was just lit up here. The guy next door, like three of the people downstairs, everybody was just tuned in all over the place. It was crazy. Yeah, the Bucks up. games are very exciting. That's yep.
1: that is for sure. But yeah, so what about you, Dan? Well, since
0: my my answer is you no. inspired me to give Wasteland Three a try. Oh, okay. Now. So I played it for a while, I enjoyed it, but it is so reminiscent of Fallout to me. Because well, that's, yeah. that's what it's built off of. Right, it, mm-hmm. it is Fallout, except for some of the graphics and obviously the story. But it's post-apocalyptic, the art is very similar, which is cool, the art is always awesome. I enjoyed it so far, I'm not used to playing really a turn-based tactical game very much. hmm there were just some fun points, like when I was going around in my Kodiak, and all of a sudden we ran into the daughter of the president or the oh, no, president. Yeah, it was like, okay, there's no way that I'm going to fight her. She had like three giant robots, and she was kitted out. I'm like, this is one of those times that you just pull back and say you're a better part of valor and go do something else. Here's <laughs> a fun bit. Is yes. You can choose to fight her in yeah. that
1: spot. Sure. And I guess if you have, like, the difficulty setting really low or you're just really good at the game yeah. or you've chosen to, like, super level out past... Sure. Uh, like, that zone, you can fight her. Oh, I'm sure. And At some point, but we No, were... you, you can fight her there. Oh, okay. And if you defeat her there, you can end the game... Oh, God. At, like, at that moment in time. Oh, wow. Now, granted, she's about 20 levels higher than you are. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. And... Scorpatrons, even in the late game, can be something that are difficult to deal with. Sure. So, like, yeah. Good
0: luck. I'm not even <laughs> close to where I need to be. So, it was fun to play that. But because it was like very Fallout esque, I didn't spend a whole lot of time with it. I know I'm going to go back to it because I, I really enjoyed the story and everything. But I also gave another game that I have never played before a try. It's called Iron Harvest. Okay. It is fabulous. It is. A kind of real-time strategy type thing but it's based on a time in history that is so under covered. It's post-World War One in Europe and the three different factions you can play Poland. You can play Russia or you can play Germany. Okay. And what's really cool is they have, like, these black and white footage, you know, from that period of time. And they overlay these steampunk mechs that are really a big part of the game on these scenes. So you're like, you see these troops marching through, like, Berlin or something. And there are these giant walkers with them. And you're going, that is just amazing. (laughs) And so so they're mechs. Mm -hmm. But they're all, you know... Uh, so is this like, like a build your base and... Yep, yep. build okay. your base and upgrade people and you have to collect resources and there's oil, oil wells and iron so mines. It, so and, it's like a StarCraft, WarCraft
1: kind of thing. Command and Conquer kind Command of and thing. Conquer set in post-World War I, pre-World War II, right. steampunk. And what's
0: interesting historically, so I'm playing the Polish campaign first. Okay. Polania is what it's called, Polania. And the leader is actually this young girl. And a bear that she found adopted. It's really fun, though. I mean, it sounds silly, but it's really cool because of the functions they have in the game and the way the story goes ahead. It's also based on real history because a lot of people are not aware that after the Bolshevik revolution in Russia, Russia tried to push into Eastern Europe and expand Bolshevism by conquering these countries. They invaded Poland and Poland historically kicked their butts. And so it's interesting to know that in my head historically and then be playing this game and going, oh, yeah, the Poles didn't like the Russians, you know. For this very reason, it just and the graphics are great, and just everything. So I'm really enjoying Iron Harvest. I would recommend people I, I, I'm take gonna, a look.
1: I'm going to take a look at that when I get home. Yeah. that that sounds like it's right up my alley. Yeah.
0: So I have one. And, and I, by the way, real quick, save often. Okay. That's all I'm going to tell you because you're going to think you could do something, and all of a sudden it didn't work out. Yeah. So so I have one question for you
1: out of Wasteland Three. Yes. How'd you like that opening where they just throw you in?
0: Oh my gosh! Because. I'm going. What can they do with this? I just everybody got slaughtered. Yeah. I'm going. How can I? Oh, and, and then you meet this horrific cannibalistic, sick, you know, family. Quote the Dorsey. Yeah, the yeah. Dorsey's and going. Oh, this is just ugly. This oh, is messed up. If it, but, but it felt good to be in that kind of because it was so immersive. Mm. And you learn the game so quickly in that one. Like that robot that's guarding the the gate at the beginning was like, oh, we're going to take this. That was a mistake. So fortunately, I saved before we attacked the robot. It's like, okay, we got to do this another way, you know, or we could just avoid the robot, which was actually what we ended up doing the second time instead of trying to attack it, which was dumb. I mean, we were just we didn't have any armor or anything, so it's cool. And it, so yeah, I, I love that. Yeah. I love the opening. Okay, so during, our lunch, during our lunch break, I'm going to give you some of the things that like I wish okay. I knew when we started. So that's so fun. Both these games are, are good stuff. So good, good, good. All right, yeah.
1: So let's talk about the game we actually played. That yeah. is. Really Related to the reason people tune in, <laughs> and we played a game of Age of Sigmar last week. Yep. You obviously had some new rules that you had gotten via the Broken Realms Bellacore. Mm-hmm for your night haunt yep. and you wanted to try out some processions and things like that.
0: And so I tried Emerald Host just to see how that would work in terms of screening my commander, whatever else. We noted, aft post-game, a mistake I made in my we list made, building. We made one kind of serious, yeah. whoopsies. <laughs> which was a trait that it yeah, had so to have been the general and the trait had to have been in the procession so I couldn't have taken Ruler of the Spirit Host, mm. which did make a difference because I brought back, what, six or seven, I think? a lot. A lot of Hex yeah. Rays. So, and um, I couldn't kill the general so no you know the, it was <laughs> it was interesting and I also for the first time that I can remember I took a battalion mm-hmm. I took death riders it's been a while you used to take the one where you got the d6 or the d6
1: extra or the six plus d6 Yes, with the um, condemned, I cha- think, yeah, or something the like that. Which is now in the Rikenor's procession. It's yeah, just it's a base It's built in. Rule, it's so. baked in, yeah.
0: I had two units of 10 hex rays. I had a knight of, knight of shrouds on a steed. I had a guardian and a dreadblade harrow. Mm-hmm. And the knight of shrouds was my general. I had uh, three units of 10 or three units of 20 chain rafts and one unit of 10, and two black coaches. Yep, And so the battalion basically gives me plus one on the charge and my wave of terror goes off on a nine up instead of a 10 up, which is significant statistically. Yeah. And that applied to both my hex rage units and one of my coaches. Yes. Okay. So that's what I.
1: Typically when I'm playing games with Dan, my question to him is, you know, what do you want to see? What do you want to get out of this game? And, you know, sometimes the answer is just bring the filthiest thing you got. Like, I just want to see, you know, what kind of beating I can take. Yeah. Which is admittedly, a, you know, kind of a weird setting. A little masochistic. But- <laughs> yeah. If that's what makes you happy, right? That's, that's what you do. He asked me to play something on a scale of, you know, one to 10. It was about a five. And the way, I look at that is writing a list that I think you know I can win about 50% of my games with. Okay. I played Ogre Maw tribes. I played the subfaction where your butchers get an extra casting attempt. I ran the battalion where the slaughter master gets to pull from the cauldron twice. Mm. As a result of that, I had two lead belchers, three gluttons, twelve gluttons, six iron guts, the slaughter master. I also took a tyrant, and he got the splatter cleaver which is the healing in a range artifact if he does some killing. And I also took the Gatebreaker Mega (laughs) Gargant. Oh,
0: God, that was crazy. Yeah. Uh,
1: (laughs) I was not expecting that. So there's a couple of things in there, right? As I know I'm playing against Nighthaunt, so I don't want to tailor right my army to you know what Dan is going to be bringing so i made sure to include some things that had rend because in other mm-hmm. games i would want to have rend i included some things that you know were going to try and be a little bit of anti caster because Dan only has one caster but that's not the point of just kind of throwing a list together that you're you know liable to potentially see at a tournament so we did that and we played a focal points
0: which we usually do. Yep. It's, it's
1: a good one. It, especially when we're doing just kind of like learning games. Once you have something settled is typically when we change up missions or you'll yes. ask for specifically different matchups and things you want to see yeah. on its own.
0: It was a really good game. It was. It went back and forth
1: many times. So. There were a couple spots where I think both of us thought we had lost it and there were some spots where both of us thought we had won it. You know, Ultimately, it came down to the turn five priority role and whoever Ooh. won that was was going to win yeah. the game dice roll considering, but so you had set up your hex wraiths in two rows mm-hmm. with with the intent to just keep doing retreating and charging and, and hitting things and doing mortal wounds and all that. Mm-hmm. And how did that work out for you, Dan?
0: It didn't work out very well at all because basically, Brendan pinned both of my units of hex wraiths. So if I was going to retreat, I couldn't charge or do anything that turn. I basically lost a turn for right, you Right, you got to do some mortal wounds. Yes, which cumulatively ended up being much much more effective than we thought it would Your I mean, dice were so hot Oh my day gosh day. so it actually if you had not pinned them, I think it would have been very good for me. It would have made a huge difference in the game, I think. It I also, agree, which is why I was trying to pin yeah, you all. Yeah, which was great. And the other thing was that 9-Up Wave of Terror made a difference because one of my coaches got two two sets of attacks off against your ogres. Against my 12-brick, yeah. Yeah, and I think I took out three or four of them. You did. Between it, them, which was significant. It
1: forced a command point spend on my part and... It also meant that I wasn't going to be able to use their 10-man size for charging purposes into the next turn, and it also meant that I had to try and pull some shenanigans together in my hero phase to get that coach dead so that I wouldn't have to just kind of waste a turn in the combat phase fighting a a one-wound monster. It forced kind of, you know, a a sweaty moment of just...
0: (laughs) Oh, I got to get free of this otherwise. <laughs> and you ended up eating it. So <laughs> that was great. Now on the other side, I had my 20s of chain rasps, a couple of them, because I had my guardian and my 20 off the board. One of them. Your giant just whiffed so bad. I was, I was petrified. It took him, what, two whole turns to get through 20? Yeah. And
1: and then he whiffs a charge on the other side, and then he <laughs> and then he whiffs his dice rolls, and I'm sitting there and I'm like...
0: <laughs> it was so great. I was so annoyed. It I overcame my fear of giants now, mega mega gargants. But that was interesting. It just like you said, it went back and forth and back and forth and I know that for sure and after playing Line Hawk for quite a while now, there is no way that I am ever going to table anybody in turn 1 or 2. I just don't have the damage output oh, in my Oh army. goodness no. No, Absolutely so not. I always have to play the long game. As a night player, you just have to do that, and you have to be ready to do that. And that's what we ended up doing. And like you said, we went to turn five, and it was a die roll, which I couldn't ask for any better than. That. I think you were willing to call it at three. Yeah, and I said,
1: "Well, hold on. You know, there is game still to be had here. Yep. I mean." Don't get me wrong, I'd love to just, like, at a tournament setting, I would normally be like, yep, you're right, and shake your (laughs) hand and walk away and go to my buddies and be like, he almost had me. (laughs) He just wanted to give up, and I'm cool with it. It was a teaching moment for me, too. It really was. This is where I say to a lot of you, play your games out. Dice happens. If it's close, keep going. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, your opponent could fail a couple of key three-inch charges. And suddenly that game is real different. Yeah, very. Yeah. Like, the fact that my Mega Gargant didn't get a combat phase in my fourth battle round against, like, six... It was uh, Hex Rates. Oh, hex Rates, right. I mean, that could have changed everything. That would have been another sure. four points that I'd had, and yeah. that would have probably just... Yeah, made uh, it Tipped it out wish. just by, like, two points or something like that. Well, it happens. Mm-hmm. So... I'm always a fan of keep playing. Now, if you have six models left and it's battle round two and you were a hundred model list when you started
0: that game. Yeah. And that game is over. Go have a beer. (laughs) But yeah, if that game is close, keep going. And so I'm... I think what we decided, because we had quite a long conversation afterwards and during the game, we took some breaks. The Death Riders seems like a really viable option the way the list was, and we're making some small changes to it. But it really was effective, Mm -hmm. and I think it could be more effective depending on what the battle plan is or whatever else. So that was a good game, Brendan. Thank you again. That was very instructive. And yes, I'm going to make sure that I tell my opponent at the beginning of the combat phase that I'm using a command point to add attacks to my unit. Yeah, the beginning of the command. Yes, base. we got that in my head now. It's burned in there. But this is also why we play practice games. Yes,
1: right. You know, we're just hanging out. We're playing in my basement. There's a lot of forgiveness for that. You know, we just we just want to make sure that we get things as right yes. as possible, so that when you do end up across the table from someone you don't know, you don't leave them with any feeling of, oh, hey, that guy was playing kind of fast and loose with mm-hmm. with his requirements. You as a player, and I mean you grandeurly, you
0: Dan, you the listener, you everybody. You owe it to your opponent to play the game as correctly as possible. Yep. And the other reason it was very instructive, I've never played Hex Rays before and I've never played with a Knight of Shrouds before. Sure. So those were two units that I needed to learn something about how to use. So thank you again. Great game. Really fun afternoon. Let's move on then to events. So sure. share with us the great
1: news from Bruce City. The great news is June 1st was the date where Milwaukee was going to be making some fairly sizable decisions around its COVID policies. And as you might understand an event here that we host in Milwaukee was going to be relatively dependent on what the city was going to require. And now I know for folks who have been there, you say, there's no way that's in the city of Milwaukee. Yes, it is. (laughs) Uh, I live a good ways away from that. And I still live in the city of Milwaukee. (laughs) Number one, the event is September 10th through 12th of 2021. It's a date that you have all known for a little while here. In relationship to the COVID policy of the city of Milwaukee, I will be able to hold an event that has all of our normal 50 attendees, so 25 tables plus my helpers, which is great. So full house. Yep. Now, one of the rules that's going to be around this, and anybody who's interested in attending is going to need to respect this, is the mask policy is as such fully vaccinated guests are not required to wear their face coverings indoors or out however guests who are unvaccinated must we're not going to be asking for any proof of vaccination but this is a it's an honor system thing and i expect it to be honored in the same way that everything else in the pack is you know just plain and simple so that's cool Signups are going to go live on June 27th at noon central. And the way it's going to work is, you know, I'm going to send the pack out and you can all see it specifically. But because demand has gotten so high for this event, I need to kind of filter through all the requests first. Whereas before you could just send me your PayPal and there was basically a guaranteed chance of getting a spot. City Brawl 3.0 sellout where it was done in 45 minutes had (laughs) me going, oh, (laughs) Uh, you'll send me an email first and then I'm going to basically timestamp all the receipts and then I'm going to confirm to the people in that window of time who have the available spots. Hey, you're in the first 50 and, you know... Send me your money now. (laughs) Please send me your money. So that's the way that's all going to work. Obviously with 3.0, there's going to be some details to still work out. So the pack that I'm going to put up is going to be relatively preliminary. I am committed to still running what it will be considered a large game. So in 2.0, that was 2,500 points. So whatever the 2,500 points in 3.0 is, that's what we'll run. And obviously silly awards and just having a good time and that kind of stuff is going to be the rule of the day. I put a sample schedule of of when things are going to be. But once I have some games under my belt and I get a feel for how long games are going to take, the, that schedule might adjust. Playing on a smaller board, and I'm going to assume some points are going to go up, meaning that you're going to have less for that same value. Games are probably going to go a little bit quicker. Okay. But we'll see. All right. right? So, so that's where we're at with that right now. And Great I'm stuff. super excited. I got to wait for one more bit of confirmation from the hotel in terms of, in terms of some information. And then the pack is going to go out perfect, and you'll be able to find it on the Facebook page for it, which is
0: just Bruce City Brawl, or I'll you know post it up on Twitter. Perfect. So thank you, Brendan, for that. That's awesome. It's great. finally good news. Great news. Yeah, great stuff. So we only have one other announcement in events uh, for those interested. LVO Las Vegas Open went live on June 3rd, which is just a few days ago. I know there's several of their events are already sold out. No surprise. It's just interesting because it's like six, seven months early. I think they. Go usually end of January, something like that. But that's wonderful. It's wonderful that that huge, giant behemoth of tournaments and events is coming back. And that's really, really good news as far as the future in terms of things like Adepticon and all that. So that's really great. Mm-hmm. But that's the only other thing. Anything else, Brendan, in terms of events? I can't think of any new news. Yeah. Anything new?
1: No. I mean, conversations have started in the background for Adepticon planning, but that means literally nothing to all of you right now. (laughs) Yeah. We have started talking about the idea of putting things together, so...
0: I mean, by definition, yes. (laughs) However... (laughs) Actually, the fact that you're having the conversation is helpful, yes.
1: I think that's it. I think it's time to move over to the part of the show that, for those of you that like to listen linearly, are probably most looking forward to, and that is
0: Emperor Lies. Okay, we will be right back with Vampers.
1: Man, what are we, a team? No, 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 we're a chemical mixture that makes chaos.
0: We're, we're a time bomb. All right, we are back with Soulblight Gravelords and we're gonna start with allegiance abilities And we're going to do something a little different Usually we go from allegiance abilities, Brendan To heroes, and then to traits And things like that We think in the context of this book It would be more valuable that we jump over From allegiance abilities to traits And trinkets and lore, those kind of things Right, so and that's then going to talk
1: about the heroes. heroes Yeah, Yeah, and I think this is Maybe the first book that we've had Where the allegiance abilities covers More than one page Oh gosh, it's
0: huge it's huge. <laughs> the first thing is we have bloodlines, which are sub-factions, which everybody's getting nowadays. So we have two legions and we have three dynasties. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about, obviously, those five when we talk about traits and those kind of things. But that is the sub-faction piece for the Gravelords.
1: And you must take one of those five. Yes, you're required. In order to play Soul Blood, you must take one of these lineages, and that directs how... Your army is going to interact with some of the different rules we're going to talk about here.
0: Now, why don't you talk about your guy here, Supreme Lord of the Undead.
1: Yeah, so just like in the Ocearch Bone Reapers book, basically you can include Nagash in a Soulblight Gravelord's army even though he does not have the keyword... If you do so, he gains the Soulblight Gravelord's keyword on his war scroll and is treated as a general in addition to the model that is chosen to be the general, but you cannot include any mercenary units in your army. So (laughs) that's pretty cool. It also means that because now he has the Soulblight Gravelord's keyword, he also benefits from the lineages because the lineages apply to all Soulblight Gravelord's keyworded units,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: which he now is given that rule, and you would gain those benefits based off of The keywords that he is valid for.
0: This is probably a good time to mention this. I know for myself, I'm just really pleased about the way that you can mix and match things that things that are not keyword locked, you can put them in another E- or even if they are, you can still put something in another dynasty or another legion. And the only thing you're really losing is the battle traits. But you can mix or match so many of these powerful characters and powerful heroes and rules and such. And it's really cool that you can build that kind of a list without being so shoehorned into one specific build. Exactly. Which and, is neat. And so what Dan means
1: by that is you can take someone like Manfred, who has the keyword Legion of Knights, and run him in a Legion of Blood army. <laughs> he doesn't gain the ability to benefit from any of the legion of blood rules but he still has a lot of things on his war scroll that are keyworded to benefit specifically soulblight gravelords summonable or not summonable units mm-hmm. and that's cool so he doesn't hand out any of the
0: buffs to your death rattles or anything like that but they're also soul blight units. They so sure gets, are. He can hand out benefits to them. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so that that's really wonderful with this this book that it has that kind of flexibility. The Unquiet Dead is the next rule. Yes. So these are your grave sites. Mm-hmm. And the way this works, and so some
1: of this, just like when we were doing our Daughters and our Heat knights of Sleanesh, we're going to talk about things that, when they're different, are just kind of important to keep in your mind that mm-hmm. are different. Mm-hmm. So what's different here is it spells out explicitly that two must go in your territory after territories have been chosen, but before armies are set up. And then the remaining two that you get to set up must be outside of your territory.
0: Which would include neutral ground yes. on battle, t- battle t- uh, plans that have that. Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So when you're looking at your battle plan, you have your red and your blue zones. Two must go in yours and two must go anywhere that isn't in yours. Mm-hmm. They must be more than one inch from all terrain features and objectives, so you can't just set one down right on the objective, but <laughs> it's close enough. Instead of setting up a... Soulblight Gravelord's summonable unit. And that summonable keyword here is going to be an important distinguisher as we talk about different abilities and Mm -hmm. things that you can do with the army. Before the battle begins, you can place it to one side and say that it's set up in the grave as a reserve unit, you can set up one reserve unit in the grave for each unit you've already set up on the battlefield. It's
0: very much like Nighthaunt. Put one in, put one out.
1: Yeah, just like all the deep strike stuff. One for one. And then at the end of any of your movement phases, you can set up one or more of these units on the battlefield wholly within 12 inches of a grave site and more than 9 inches from all enemy units. At the start of the fourth battle round, reserve units that are still in the grave are destroyed. This is terrific because it used to require a hero to bring them up from the grave. Now you don't need that. But it means you can use your grave sites more often putting a unit in the grave near an objective that your opponent wants to defend or ideally wants to leave. And then you can just pop in behind them after they've vacated those premises or after they have committed to leaving things back there that benefit you staying back there, which is phenomenal. Yeah. It allows you as a Soulblight Gravelords player to be very strategic in your placement of gravesites, and you can actually get in your opponent's head with the gravesite placements and kind of bait them towards what they think your game plan is going to be, and then sure. you can just go do the opposite.
0: Okay. Uh, this next one you want to talk about, and I'll talk about Deathless Minions. Yeah. So the Locus
1: of Shayish is a rule that any Legions player would be very familiar with. Mm-hmm. Any friendly Soulblight Gravelords wizard attempting to cast a spell from the lore of the Death Mages or the lore. Of the vampires so those are the lores here in this book mm-hmm. if that casting attempt is a nine plus and not unbound the spell immediately resolves for a second time now it's got to be an unmodified nine mm-hmm. but that means it's going to occur roughly 25 ish percent of the time mm-hmm. that's pretty good there are some of these that can't proc twice which is okay like okay amethyst pinions is only affecting the caster but the rest of these are fantastic where you're handing out things that make it not great for your opponent to charge or you're handing out a minus one to hit or mm-hmm. you're handing out an aoe of damage pretty nice that's...
0: so that's Locus. So yeah we can double bash your uh spells okay so we have deathless minions Death save. Roll a dice each time you allocate a wound or mortal wound to a friendly soul-blight graveyard's unit within 12 inches of a friendly... Holy within 12. Holy within. That is one of the big changes off of Legion, where it was just units within six. So it's holy within 12 of a hero or a gravesite. Yep. So once again, Brendan, you said that heroes used to be required to bring units in. You can do that off a gravesite, so it, it functions as a hero from that perspective. It also functions as a hero in that it gives out that death save in a 12 inch bubble yep which is very very useful that you don't need a hero back there to deal with that. and that's going
1: to take some adjusting to learn uh, mm-hmm. because i know a lot of legions players or folks who are used to playing death armies bone reapers aside are used to managing that bubble with a hero having the point on the battlefield where you're going to manage that from is going to take a moment i know i didn't catch that in my first read through with the book because i always just said yep grave sites and i just kind of like you know
0: went along my way
1: way and I said deathless minions yep heroes and I just
0: (laughs) cool so it's holy within. Mm -hmm. All right, and then we have reanimated horrors so this is a really cool
1: rule because this is a rule that scales normally this is where we'd say oh you're a death army subtract one from the bravery units and you go woo but it's now subtract one from the bravery characteristics of enemy units while they're within six inches of one friendly dead walkers or death rattle unit so that's zombies skeletons black knights grave Grave guard yeah yep Normally, that's where that sentence ends. Subtract two from the bravery characteristics of enemy units instead of one while they're within six inches of two or more friendly soulblight Gravelords, Dead Walkers, or Death Rattle units. However, death units are not affected by this ability. Okay. I mean, that makes sense. That's really cool. You're not always just going to be done handing that ability out. You go, yeah, you're within you know, six inches of my unit. You're minus one bravery, and your opponent goes, yeah, okay, cool. No, you're minus two. In the scheme of things, is it going to make a world of difference? Probably not. But the time where it does come up and it does make a difference is going to be the time that, that you go, oh, I'm really glad I have this. <laughs> You're pulling an extra model that has three or four wounds? I'll take mm. that.
0: Absolutely. Uh, and then we have Endless Legions. Another
1: rule that has changed that I am super thrilled about. Okay. So this Great. used to be something that you really only had access to via a command point after one of your units died. Or in Legion of Sacrament, you got for free, but it was like a weird, it was kind of a weird trigger. At the end of your Battleshock phase, not all of them, count the number of enemy units that were destroyed during that turn. So that's hero phase to battle shot your phase. Turn. Yes. And roll a dice, adding the number of units that you destroyed to that roll. So on a five up, which is modified by the number of units you destroyed, you can pick one friendly Soul Blight Gravelord summonable dead walkers or death rattle unit in your army that has been destroyed. If you do so, a new replacement unit with half the number of models in the unit that were destroyed, rounding up, is added to your army. Set up that unit wholly within 12 inches of a gravesite and more than 9 inches from all enemy units. Oh. Wow. This is, again, another place where if you are using your gravesite deployment correctly, you can force your opponent into things that they don't want to be doing. So, right, so you set up that first kind of uh, bait scenario where, you know, you have the two in your territory that are basically going to be used defensively and then the two you've set up offensively. Over the course of the game, you know, you've made it clear to your opponent that you are not interested in this one gravesite that you kind of baited them in and around some objective. Well, you lost a 30-brick of Graveguard and you rolled the necessary to bring them back, (laughs) now they're over there. (laughs) It's going to require you as a player to be thinking several turns ahead in terms Mm. of what it is that you want to do. You want to play it closer to a poker game where you want your opponent to have a specific thought on what it is that you're going to be doing and then kind of subvert those expectations and... Move them into the places and do the things that you want them to do because this is not a book where you are typically going to overwhelm your opponent by Mm -hmm. weight of fire or weight of dice or just how durable you are. You do a lot of those things well enough. But you don't do any of those things where I say, oh, you're top five at this. <laughs> sure. You have to use all of those pieces together, along with what occurs on the table, to set up the different things that you're looking to achieve. I really like this. Great.
0: Cool, yeah. And then, Dan, you want to talk about Deathly Invocation? Sure. So at the start of your hero phase, you can pick a number of different friendly Soulblight Gravelords summitable units, wholly within 12 inches of a friendly vampire hero. To be affected by Deathly Invocation, the number of different friendly vampire summonable units you can pick is determined by the keyword on that hero. So if you have a Mortark, you can pick up to four units within Holy Within 12. If you have a vampire, you can pick up to three. Death Mages and Death Rattle are up to two Mm -hmm. units that you can pick. If the hero has more than one of the above keywords, choose one of them. So you can pick the biggest one if you want.
1: Yep. So things like Manfred and Neferata, both of the vampire keyword, But they also have the Mortar key And
0: so raise your hand and say, yes, I'll take four instead of three. Correct. Of course. So for each unit you pick, you can heal at the D3 wounds allocated to that unit, or if no wounds are allocated, return the number of slain models to that unit. Then have a combined wounds characteristic of D3 or less. Roll separately for each unit. The same unit cannot benefit from this ability more than once per turn. In addition, a unit cannot benefit from this ability and the invocation of Nagash, which we'll talk about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Good, fine, wonderful. Is it heal, like, one unit six times or something like that? No, it's not. But I think there's a lot of flexibility here, Brendan, and I like that.
1: Yeah, so remember, you can only heal summonable units. So, Correct. So, you know, everything that's not a vampire is or a hero is summonable. Mm-hmm. You can only benefit from it once. And I like this interaction because it takes away one of the kind of feel-bad experiences that some folks, you know, would get with the old Legions book where, you know, you're just within, you know, six inches or nine inches or 12 inches of whatever unit that was, and you get to kind of daisy-chain everything out, Mm. and you end up throwing like 8d3 healing at this unit that your opponent almost killed, Mm -hmm. and you go, oh, we're back, baby. But you have kind of this you know set standard you have a set expectation it's easier to manage from the player side it's easier to manage from the opponent side and there are other ways to get more healing and we'll talk Mm -hmm. about that in a little bit i like this even though it's you know three paragraphs it's simple and straightforward one of the important things to note here is in the designer's note and this is different and i didn't this is one of the other things i didn't catch on the first read through is some soul blight abilities and spells allow you to return slain models to a unit Right, which is what we were just talking about. When you do so, set up the models one at a time within one inches of a model from their unit that was not returned to the unit earlier in that phase. Mm-hmm. So there's no chain summoning anymore. Nope. Slain models can only be set up within three inches of an enemy unit if a model in that unit they are returning to already was not already in the same phase and is already within three inches of that enemy So unit.
0: you can't summon a unit a model back to a model that's just been summoned. That's what it's saying. Right. So you can't chain
1: summon and that's the thing that's new and then the thing that's not new is you can't summon into combat. Correct. Unless you were already Already in in combat. combat.
0: And then you can put some guys in there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So very good stuff. Next we're gonna talk about our different lineages. Yes. So two legions and three dynasties. Mm-hmm. And we're gonna start with Legion of Blood, first one. And it has two battle traits, Brendan. The first one is Immortal Majesty. If an enemy unit fails a battle shock test within three inches of any Legion of Blood vampire units, add D3 to the number of models that flee. Okay. And then favored retainers. I really like this one. Ignore negative modifiers to hit and wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by friendly Legion of Blood, death rattle units while they're wholly within 12 inches of a friendly Legion of Blood vampire, or units wholly within 18 inches of a vampire hero. Wow.
1: A Legion of Blood vampire hero that is a general. Correct. Okay, yep, got it. So it's 12 for all heroes, and it would be 18 for your general. Well, it's actually 12 for all things that have the vampire keyword. Mm. Not just heroes. It's 18 inches if it's a vampire hero that is a general now you can have multiple generals in any of these legions in order to do so in legion of blood you have to have neferata and
0: whoever it is that you take as your other general okay but really nice i mean you're ignoring negative modifiers to hit and wound rolls and there are a lot of those floating around yeah and
1: granted it's only for your death rattle units but legion of blood is basically sitting there telling you we want you to lean heavy into death rattle and obviously have some vampires Graveguard are our death rattle that
0: is correct okay there we go
1: So, it doesn't incentivize you as much to take things that are dead walkers, right? So, zombies and dire wolves. In this legion. In this legion specifically. Yeah. The rules are all built around different incentives. This one is saying, to get the most out of this, you want to take death rattle units because nothing that your opponent hands out as a negative against your melee weapons is going to work. Okay. So, that's pretty cool. Command traits, Dan.
0: What did you pick? Which two did you pick?
1: Oh. There's, there were some of these that, it, were, that were really in difficult. In all of these,
0: almost all of these, Brendan, it was difficult. There's some really good ones, that I'm like, oh, I only picked two.
1: Yeah, so I, the first one, I think, far and away, my favorite one in here is the Aristocracy of Blood. Thumbs you up? can reroll charges for Friendly Legion of Blood units that are wholly within 12 inches this general. Man, I don't have to explain to hardly any of you that the ability to use things that cost command points for free is really good.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> all right. Then the other one is... Premeditated Violence. Hmm, okay. I like that one in Aura of Dark Majesty. But the Premeditated Violence, the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with a melee weapon by this general is a six. That attack scores two hits on the target instead of one. Mm -hmm. Make a wound and save roll for each hit. There are heroes that you can take that don't have mounts that would benefit from this because they have a lot of attacks. Sure. Or the things that do have mounts, the quality of attacks that you would be giving this to are... Really super solid. What about your My first
0: choice was the same as yours, Aristocracy of Blood. Then I picked Sanguine Blur, Mm. which is friendly units that start, pile in, move, wholly within 12 inches of this general can move an extra three inches when they pile in. Nice. I like that. And it may be very situational, but I still like it. If you're doing certain things with your army, that can be really, really useful. Right. So that mean it doesn't mean that you get to pile in from six
1: inches out. No. You still have to have met the requirements of charging or being within three inches, but you get to make a six inch pile in there. Or you can take your dead walkers that are piling in from six inches out. They pile in from six inches away, but now they can pile in nine. And that's a good combination of... A unit that is going to be relatively offensive in zombies and getting some of the extra attacks in and around them that, as we'll talk about, are maybe a little bit harder to do than, you know, some of the folks on the internet will just say that like, oh, well, you get 120 attacks.
0: Uh, no, because everybody has to be within range. <laughs> Correct. And this is what that you're talking about. This mitigates that to a point. Right. Th- this yeah. will help you do that. Okay, But awesome. it's going to
1: cost you on the other side of, of you don't benefit too much from your battle traits. So okay. what were your two artifacts out of the Legion of Blood? The
0: first one is Soulbound Garments, which is add one to save rolls for attacks that target the bearer. I mean... The, the other thing that's crazy, Brendan, and we're not going to talk too much about obviously 3.0, but there's some things in there where you can add to save roles. There's some other things in here where you can add to or enhance save roles. Mm-hmm. You've got so many powerful characters in this book that already have a three up or four up save. If you can make those a two up or a three up, wow, I think that is just so powerful. Of course, You can't put this on named characters, but you have Vampire Lord on a zombie dragon. Yeah. You can put it on him and he's going to be a two-up save. You have Vangorian Lords. Yes. You have
1: Coven Thrones. You have have Bloodseeker Palanquins. This is good for anybody. So if you
0: have a Death Mage that you really want to protect, it also works on them too. Yep. You got a Necromancer. Boom. And he's already sloughing wounds if he's got zombies around. So. Yeah,
1: granted, he's not a good no. he's not a good value added no uh, for this. One for but, that.
0: but if you wanted to, you could. You could, yeah. And then the other one is the Oubliette Arcana. Okay. Once per enemy hero phase, when an enemy wizard successfully casts a spell within 18 inches of the bear, which I like because that's a decent range for this. And the spell is not unbound, even if a friendly wizard attempted to unbind it. Before resolving the effects of that spell, you can roll a dice and a five up. The spell is unbound. I love that. It's like, okay, I got this spell off and you're like, okay, I'm going to try to unbind it. Oh, I only rolled a five and you rolled a 10. Whoops, I rolled a five up. I don't care that you rolled a 10 or a 12. Boom. I think that's really useful, especially in a world where there's a lot of magic going on and you might face off against a lot of At least it gives you a one out of three chance to do something instead of just sit there.
1: Yeah, I really like both of those. And for the sake of talking about the other one, you know, yeah. talking about some of the other ones, my first one, far and away, was also Soulbound Garments. Being able to be a two-up save Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon is bananas. Mm-hmm. And as we go through that War Scroll, you'll see why. Yeah. The other one that I kind of like is the Ring of Dominion. Each mm-hmm. time the bearer is picked to fight in the mm-hmm. combat phase, you can pick one enemy model within three inches of the bearer and roll a dice. On a five-up, pick one of the model's melee weapons. That model's unit suffers a number of mortal wounds equal to the damage characteristic of the weapon you pick. You cannot pick a melee weapon that refers to a damage table or ability to determine its damage. It's one of those ones where it's an extra chance of if you're fighting kind of one of those high value offensive damage dealers that, you know, does like damage four, damage five. And you just go, there we go.
0: And I could see this being really useful for those heroes that have, you know, six, seven, eight wounds, those kind of mid tier heroes. Yeah, and their weapon does like two or three damage. Yeah. Might be nice. Just an extra way to hopefully get that done and, and over with. Okay. We're moving on to Legion of Night. Legion of Blood is kind of Nephi's thing, as you would yes. imagine, Neferatus. Legion of Night is Manfred's Correct. Legion. He's keyworded to this. We have two battle traits again. Brendan, why don't you talk about those? Yeah, so the first one is the
1: bait. Add one to save rules for attacks that target friendly Legion of Night Rattle and friendly Legion of Night Deadwalkers units in the first battle rounds.
0: Okay, it's not bad. It's- well, what if you drop some guys behind somewhere? You know, and the enemy goes, "Ooh, I got to get rid of those." Okay, fair enough. Now you got plus one to your save. Right. Pairing this
1: with cover allows you to survive and mitigate any of the real crazy shooting stuff that you might come up against because it's just Legion of Night Death Rattle. So something like your White Kings would also benefit from this. Just it's not summonable. It's right. just Death Rattle At and Death At least it would soften that Alpha Strike. And even if you don't have cover, this is effectively removing rend one, yeah. or it's reducing everybody's rend by one for for damage purpose. Fair enough.
0: And a lot of shooty attacks are Ren 1, like arrows, bows and arrows, and things like that. It certainly feels that way, doesn't it? Yes, it does. The second one is Ageless Cunning. Instead of setting up a Legion of Night
1: unit on the battlefield, you can place it to one side and say that it's set up in ambush as a reserve unit. You can set up one reserve unit in ambush for each unit you already have set up on the battlefield. At the end of any of your movement phases, you can set up one or more of these units wholly within six inches of the battlefield edge, and more than nine from all enemy units. At the start of the fourth battle round, reserve units that are still in ambush are destroyed. So, this means you can set things off the table, as well as in grave sites. This one applies to any Legion of Night unit. So Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragons, Blood Knights, guys have their own separate rule for it. All your heroes can do this. So for every unit you put on the table, you can set up two units, one in the grave if it's summonable and one off the table if it's anything and, Le- and a Legion of Night keyworded. You can show up to the battle with a third of your army on the table and go, what's up, what are we doing? Pairing that with the bait where whatever it is that you're setting up on the table is going to be more defensible than you know what you had hoped, you know, what your opponent is normally used to seeing, mm-hmm. you can do some real
0: sneaky nonsense with that. And one of the things, just a thought in terms of table etiquette, mm-hmm. I think it's important that if you're going to put units aside, you make sure that you indicate to your opponent somehow which they are. Mm-hmm. Are they just in the underground, per se, or are they grave sites so that there's no confusion? Yeah. Um, Or that somebody doesn't take advantage of that and say, ooh, they they would be better on the grave site. I'm going to change my mind. I mean, I think that's just a courtesy you should do. Yes, you do have to declare what it is that you're doing. And indicate it or mark it or do something, not only for your opponent, but for yourself, to remind you which ones you did that to. Absolutely. Just a thought. So, Dan, command traits. (laughs) Okay, there were two, and some of these were really good, too. So, swift form for this one. Add two to run and charge rolls for this General. Okay. I thought that was really useful. And then the other one was Terrifying Visage. Subtract one for wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons that target this general. Any adjustment, a negative adjustment to wound rolls, is always a good thing because they're much less prevalent than they are to hit. I thought that one was good. Okay. I actually picked two different ones. Perfect. <laughs> it's great. So the the first one
1: that I really like is Above Suspicion.
0: Mm. Okay.
1: And it takes reading this a little bit closer to understand exactly what this does. Sure. If this general set up an ambush using the ageless cunning battle trait above, Right, which is the coming off the board edge. At the end of your movement phase, you can set this, up, this general up anywhere on the battlefield more than 9 inches from all enemy units instead of wholly within 6 inches of the battle edge. What that means, and you don't have to necessarily make your general a big guy or anything like that to do this effectively, you can just kind of set up a place that your opponent is maybe ignoring as you know, not necessarily super relevant. There's a gravesite that they, maybe they've played you a couple times. They know that you're a real sneaky jerk. <laughs> and they're like, okay, I know to ignore that gravesite." Sure. You know, he's just, it just doesn't make sense. But you pull up 30 grave guard through that and then you deep strike your general who normally couldn't be there behind them. All of a Ooh. sudden you have a very strong flank that they weren't expecting and they might've given you a weak side <laughs> so you can start moving through it. Legion of Night is a lot of chess pieces. You have to see the board for what it can be, not what
0: it is. Sure, that makes sense.
1: The other one that I like is Unholy Impetus. Mm. In the combat phase, if any enemy models are slain by attacks made with melee weapons by this general, in that phase, add one to attacks, characteristics of melee weapons used by a friendly Legion mm-hmm. of Night units, wholly within 12 inches of this general until the end of that phase. I had it, marked it's this It's not one just summonable, it is just... Yeah, I had marked this one. But... It is just... Units holy within 12 and pairing that with your heroes, Vargeis, Graveguard, Manfred oh, man. like, whoof, that is, whoof, yeah. It could be pretty brutal because you can only choose one of them. I mean, you can only choose one of them, but you can take Manfred, who can also be your general yeah. in this army. And what we know about command points are going to be more
0: available to you. Well, so, yeah, that's pretty good. OK, so now we have the trinkets, mm-hmm. we have artifacts of power. And I chose the first one with Shard of Night. Ignore the Ren characteristics of missile weapons. We were just talking about that with Alpha Strikes. Ignore the ring characteristics of missile weapons that target when making save rolls for attacks that target the bearer. And then the other one was Curse Blade, I thought was really interesting. After armies have been set up before the first battle round begins, you can pick one enemy hero on the battlefield. In your hero phase, if the bearer and the hero are on the battlefield, roll a dice. On a 5-up, the hero suffers one mortal wound, and you can heal one wound back. You know, again, if it's a hero that you pick that's... I think it would be obvious I'd pick somebody who was smaller. You know, pick my Guardian of Souls, or Pick my Dreadblade hero who moves around so much you're not going to be able to get a, a handle on him. But if you could put a few wounds on him and you have this, you just you take two more wounds off and he's done. So I just thought that might be interesting for trying to pick off a, an important but smaller hero.
1: Yeah, so I'm actually kind of surprised you didn't pick one of these ones here. So I really like the Shard of Night as well. The one I'm kind of surprised you didn't take that I like, especially given one of your picks for command traits, is yes. Treptaren Cloak.
0: Ah, oh, yes. If
1: the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with a melee weapon that targets the bearer is one, the attacking unit suffers one mortal wound after all of its attacks have been resolved. Yeah. Well, that's per attack. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah, that's the Combining that with terrifying visage is...
0: It becomes a real unpleasant... That just became what is the martyr sacrifice. That's basically what that is. Well, it's uh, it's you... better. It's based yeah. on your hit rolls.
1: And when you think about the way that the game mechanic works... Hit rolls are the most abundant dice rolls that there is in the game. Yes.
0: So it, you know it would be hilarious is if you had a unit of S- Sisters of Slaughter who I know <laughs> wiped out half of my blade guys with that stupid you know roll a roll a six or whatever mm-hmm. it is after you lose a model. This would be great. Like girls, roll thirty dice. That's wonderful. Oh, six of you are dead. <laughs> It would be hilarious to bounce that back, you know. And that pairing, be funny. pairing that with the minus one to
1: wound, mm-hmm. suddenly your hit rolls are doing damage to you. And typically, on average, half of those dice are moving over to wound rolls. And then your wound rolls are now being reduced by one. You have a durable character that does damage to you when you're doing damage to it.
0: <laughs> it's amazing.
1: That it is. That's a great combination, Brennan. Yeah. Awesome. Right. So we talk about what Legion of Blood's focus was, right? Where. hmm Legion of Knights focus is the ability to play the game in a totally unique
0: way that your opponent is
1: normally not used
0: to seeing. I think that this is one I'm going to tend to a little bit just because with my Knight I have a lot of that that I do already and I'm used to that movement and used to that use of the whole board, pulling units up out of the underworld and things like that. This one really interests me because it's the same kind of mechanic overall and I really like it. I think in the hands of a good player, you are going to win a lot of
1: games because your opponent is going to freak out when they see like three
0: units on the battlefield yeah and you're gonna go rest of my army's off the table and they go yeah but why so i have a question for you about that it says here that you know this is a battle trait that you can put for every unit you set up on the um battlefield yeah you can set up one in off the table off the table then you have grave sites to say for every unit you set up On the board, you can set up one in grave sites. If you set up one unit on the board, can you then set up two units off the table? You can set
1: up one in the grave site and one using the Legion. So it's two for one? Yes. Okay.
0: But but one in each of the buckets. Right, correct. So I set up a unit of, let's just use skeletons. I set up a unit of skellies on the board. Yes. Now, once I do that, the next two units that I deploy could be a unit of skellies in, in the grave sites and then a unit of skellies because uh, I can... Because yes. for each Use, one... Using I deploy- the ageless cunning ability. Right. Yeah. So I can do two units for every one that I put on the board. Correct. Okay, I just want to clarify that because that, I think that would be confusing for people. Mm. Like, wait a minute, you can't do that. You have to have one and one. Well, no. Yeah,
1: yes, yes, you can. So the one, sites is saying for every one unit you put in this bucket, which is on the table, mm-hmm. you get to put one in this bucket, which is in the grave. Mm-hmm. You're adding a third bucket to that equation right. that has the equal fill rate okay. of the other two. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I just right away that came to mind when I was reading this going, that could be just brutal. Like you said, you're going, we well, you only set up three units on the board? Yeah, but I got Six off the board.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I got six off the board, and I have other things that don't. That that because of their war scroll, you can apply a different rule to them. That is so, and they're also not on the table. And then your opponent just goes, "But there's only two hundred
0: points on the board."
1: You go, "That's right," and there's eighteen (laughs)
0: hundred off the table. Good luck. (laughs) It's so great. Okay, so moving on. Let's talk about the Viricos Dynasty, which is animals. This is the
1: poster child one that Games Workshop is putting the most energy into. It right? Is. In, in terms of the selling power, it is probably the most powerful one, just on immediate face value
0: of, and of what it to does. To your point of uh, GW and what they did, it's really cool that at least when they came out with this, they created two really powerful, useful heroes to go with it, which is nice because sometimes they don't do that. And now you've got at least two that are like, okay... If I'm playing this, these two are going here, because they really synergize with this. They synergize well,
1: very with, specifically with in, the in their sub-faction.
0: We've got two battle traits, as always. Mm-hmm. The strength of the pack is the wolf, and the strength of the wolf is the pack. And so the first one, the strength of the pack, add one-to-wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by friendly Virko Death Deathrattle and Deadwalkers units. Uh, if they're wholly within nine inches of a dynasty vampire hero remember that uh, dead walkers include wolves yes. our wolves are dead walkers that is correct So just something to think about and then the strength of the wolf you can re-roll casting roles for friendly vampire wizards in this dynasty and that's really good and it's important to remember that it is specifically vampire
1: heroes mm-hmm. so your death mages don't benefit from this which is too bad because uh-huh. you really want to have them van hells all <laughs> oh, the yeah. time all of over course. the place sure but that's really good like if you really need that unmodified nine plus and yeah you know you got the spell off with a seven or whatever that's good uh-huh. enough but you need that nine uh-huh. that's where you go fishing perfect yeah it's perfect it, Good. Those two things combined, the plus one to wound is magnificent. Yep. You're going to get a lot of things wounding on twos from the death rattle side, or if you're running, you know, some of the grave guard stuff. The great weapons now wounding on threes. You're going to be able to potentially pair that with Manfred's ability, which is just an AoE plus one to hit, plus one to wound command ability, mm-hmm. which is pretty good because it's just all soul blight.
0: Very good stuff. Yeah.
1: And this power kind of bubbles out when we're going to talk about Radikar and uh, the Belladama.
0: Yep. And the Vengorian Lord, too, could come into this because they're not keyword locked. They are and not. And they are a wizard as well. They so. are. They could reroll. Okay, so uh, let's move on to command traits. To me, I'm looking through these. There are two that just jump out at it for me. And let's see if we pick the same ones. Okay. The first one is Pack Alpha. Yup. Once a turn, General can use a command ability with a command without a command point being spent. There are some awesome command abilities for these heroes. <laughs> Free command point, boom. And then the other one is Hunter Snare. If this General contests an objective, the number of models this General counts has is equal to their wound characteristic. Boom. Oh my gosh, man. It's so awesome. Dude, I got 12 wounds. There we go. Counts as 12 models. It's just so good, Brendan. I love that. I really like both of
1: those. Yeah. There aren't really any bad ones in here. No. The, one of the other ones that, you know, will also be interesting is the driven by Death Stench is reroll uh-huh. charge rolls for friendly Virkos Dynasty units holy with the nine inches of this general. Sure. Pretty good. You get a kind of chumpo version of Radikar's Command ability. <laughs> sure. Kin of the wolf once per battle. At the end of your movement phase, you can say that this general will summon a pack of dire wolves to the battlefield. If you do so, you can add one unit of up to five dire wolves to your army. Set up that unit wholly with the nine inches general
0: and more than nine inches from all enemy units. It's about 70 points worth of wolves. Yeah. So, okay. Great. It's a unit of five wolves that can move 10 inches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, Four miles on the table. Yeah. And there's going
1: to be some real wolf shenanigans a little bit later. <laughs> okay, so Good
0: stuff. All right, good. So those are, we're in agreement on the, the command traits. How mm-hmm. about artifacts here? The first one I really like is the
1: Sang Siren. Mm-hmm. I picked that one. Pick one of the bearer's melee weapons. If the bearer made a charge move in the same turn, add D3 to the attacks characteristics of that weapon until the end of that turn. I love this on Vampire Lords and Zombie Dragons. It's so good. <laughs> so I
0: was thinking, looking at it profiles is like, hmm,
1: yeah, that, that would work. That lance takes this benefit so well. The second one is the Ulf and Carinean Phylactery. We're matching this one. Yeah. Friendly Soulblight Gravelord units are affected by Deathless Minion's battle trait while they are wholly within 18 inches of the bear instead of 12. <sighs> it, it lets you play a little bit looser with some of your bubble managements, which it's not always necessary, but it's a nice thing to put in your pocket
0: now i have a question about that okay does this mean that the grave sites extend no okay it's just about the bearer we got it never mind right and never mind Dan. yes and as he pats him on the head and says good God. and remember it's deathless minions so that's gotcha. your death save one yeah right
1: right and it's just this guy yeah just the bear mm-hmm. okay
0: we Before have, we get too far, oh,
1: yes, one of the interesting ones, since we both picked the same one, that will be interesting to keep an eye on into 3.0 is the standard of the Watch. Mm, okay. Once per battle at the start of the hero phase, you can say that the bear will raise the standard of the Watch. If you do so until the end of that turn, each time your opponent spends a command point, roll a dice, on a five up, you receive one extra command. We already know that Games Workshop and the, and the rules designers have said command points are going to be something that exists on a more frequent basis. At minimum, you get two for going second in any given in battle round. Correct. Having access to making it kind of painful your opponent spending some. Artifact to keep an eye on, folks. Okay, that's sure. uh yeah. I, I think that one might be
0: pretty alright. I think the reason that I didn't pick this one is there's kind of a deadly combination for me. First of all, it was once per battle, mm-hmm. and then it's on a five up. Right. So it's not like once per battle you can do this. It's once per battle you have a one in three chance. And so I it's ag- like,
1: uh I agree, and that's why it didn't make my short list as well. Yep. But it's just one of those things that you look at and you just kind of raise your eyebrow, yeah and you go, hmm with what we know, I think that this one might be pretty OK, yeah. because there's going to be a lot of command point burns that you can, can achieve, and if you have one turn where you have just a pocket full of them, sure, then
0: you're going to be all right. All right, we're going to move on to the fourth subfaction now is the Castellai dynasty. Right, and so this is Vortheis subfaction. It's nice that every single
1: sub-faction has a named character. Yes, that is cool enough. Which I think is the first time in any of these books that that has been the case, <laughs> which is
0: fine by me. Yeah, uh, it's great. So many options. This is the thing that's exciting about this book is there's so many ways to build and still build a good solid army that's going to do well. Yeah, that you're going to feel good about putting on the
1: table and you're not going to feel like an idiot yeah. because you're just like, oh, well, I really like this sub-faction. The disclaimer I'll put on it is this book feels like it's going to be real hard to go 5-0 and o at an uh-huh. event with. I'm not going to sit here and put any disillusions, but this is a book where I think you can consistently get 4 and one out of it. It does a lot of different things in a lot of different ways, and depending on what your local meta or the tournament scene that you regularly attend is, you have a different dynasty to do a different thing that will allow you to pursue results specifically okay. in, in their own way. So just keep that in mind. Not everything has to, and honestly, I'd like every book to be like this, where you go... <laughs> Tough to win five games. Well, if it's tough for everyone to win five games, the person who wins those five games is a
0: real superstar. To right? like that. that's to be on the podium, yeah. Right, for sure. So why don't you talk about the battle tricks for this one?
1: Castellai Dynasty is the Blood Knights dynasty. Mm-hmm. The shifting keep is instead of setting up a Castellai Dynasty Blood Knights unit on the battlefield, keyworded Blood Knights... You can place it to one side and say that it is set up in ambush as a reserve unit. You can set up one reserve unit in ambush for each unit you are, have already set up on the battlefield.
0: Same as... So this is the third bucket again.
1: Right, this is okay. the third bucket, but this bucket is restricted. Yes. Where Ageless Cunning was any unit, this is specifically Blood Knights. Okay. At the end of any of your movement phases, you can set up one or more of these units on the battlefield, wholly whole way within six inches of the battlefield edge, and more than nine inches from all enemy units... At the start of the fourth battle round, reserve units that are still in ambush are destroyed. The next one is real slick. Yeah, it is very cool, the mechanic. And so this is called the Might of the Crimson Keep. Each time a friendly Castellai Dynasty vampire keyworded unit. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of things that have the vampire keyword. Mm -hmm. If you're paying attention destroys an enemy unit that friendly unit gains the relevant ability below for the rest of the battle the unit cannot gain the same ability more than once per battle but it can gain all three Mm -hmm. if the enemy unit that was destroyed was a hero or monster you gain the rule bloodied strength add one to the damage characteristics of melee weapons used by that unit excluding mounts (laughs) still fine fine by me (laughs) Because if a Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon was doing this, or a vengorian, Oh, well, a Vangorian Lord doesn't have a mount, but if, like, the Bloodseeker Palanquin, which mm-hmm. has the vampire keyword, sure. and all of a sudden your spirit hosts are doing two damage oh. a
0: piece... Yes. <laughs> okay.
1: All right. If the enemy unit had a wounds characteristics of three or more and was not a hero or monster, you gain the stolen vitality rule. Add one to the wounds characteristics of that unit. If it's Blood Knights, for example, that's a lot of extra wounds. Woof. Four wounds. Vargays go up to five now it's nice to have that on your hero you know another ablative wound is never a bad thing but let's say you're taking a unit of 10 you go from a 30 wound block to a 40 wound block (sighs) immediately yeah it's huge a lot tougher to move and then the last one is if the enemy unit had a wounds characteristics of two or less you gain absorbed speed add two to run and charge rolls for that unit (laughs) that's very useful it means that you're never going to fail a charge Big fan of that one. Yeah. And sure. and that one's good for anything with the right. vampire keyboard Because your minimum roll is a four inch all of
0: a sudden. Yeah. Like minimum. Minimum, minimum, minimum. Yeah. yeah.
1: This one's interesting, right? It's incentivizing you to build around vampires and blood knights. Now your model count is going to be relatively low. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that there isn't value in taking, you know, a unit of dire wolves or... One of the things that we talked about, Dan, uh, as we were out grabbing lunch was something like fell bats where you can set a far off screen at mm-hmm. your opponents and forcing them to kind of funnel into a path or go the long way that you can set up something better that you want. Your summonable chaff stuff is going to be... Screens. It is going to be a relatively low model count in this army versus the other ones because this one you are going to be spending a lot of points on things with the vampire keyword because you want to be maximizing this Might of the Crimson Keep rule because it's objectively very good. If you wanted to do something else you're probably better off playing one of the other dynasties. If you don't want to lean heavy into vampires, you're probably better off playing Legion of Blood, Legion of Night, or Virkos. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about Avangori. But if you're playing vampires, things that have the vampire keyword... This is where you want to go. This is the dynasty you want to be playing in. Okay. So command traits, what did you... What'd you pick? Oh, okay. So there's, I think there's three I really like. And this one was kind of difficult. Obviously getting it down to two. The first one I liked is Swift and Deadly. You can Mm reroll charge rolls for friendly cast light dynasty units while they're holy within 12 into this general. Free, good. Most of your stuff is better on the charge than than not. Save you some command points. Cool, awesome, fantastic. I was split between Power in the Blood and Rousing Commander. Mm, okay. And I settled on Rousing Commander because I like what it sets up, like strategically. Mm Mm-hmm. Once per battle at the start of the combat phase, you can say that this general will rouse their warriors to do so. Until you're at the end of that phase, friendly Castle identity dynasty vi- vampire units wholly within 12 of general benefit from the bloodied strength and soul and vitality abilities from the Crimson Keep battle trade above if they have not already gained one or both of them. To refresh, that's plus one damage and plus one wound mm-hmm. for that combat phase. Mm-hmm. So this is when you are trying to deal the killing blow or you are on the receiving end of what is about to be a lot of damage. (laughs) And you want to make sure that it costs your opponent every single dice roll to get rid of all the models that they do. Because if they only did three wounds, at the end of that combat phase, you drop back down to three wounds and then you die. But if they did four wounds to a unit of something like Blood Knights or five wounds to a Vargeist, it means that they have done nothing Mm -hmm. to the next model. If they have done eight, they have only killed two as a killing most of three. Mm-hmm. That is significant. Huge. Yep. Like we said, the plus one wounds on the heroes is fine. But if the reverse is happening where you're off on the charge, I don't need to tell any of you how good damage three blood knights would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. It's quite good. Those are the
0: two I picked, Dan. What did you hear? Swift and Deadly, yep. again. And then I picked Craving for Massacre. Ah, that's a good one, too. This general can run and charge later in the same turn. So A Vampire for- Lord on Zombie Dragon right.
1: that is. Ren 2 damage 4 off the charge, Mm -hmm. that's a good benefit, especially, you know, when you go to talk about some of the artifacts that you can put on these models. Yep. So Dan, you want
0: to talk about artifacts first then? Sure. I- the two I picked standard of the Crim- crimson keep crimson mm-hmm. keep subtract one for hit rolls for attacks made with missile weapons to target the bear again just some alpha strike mitigation mm-hmm. if nothing else and then the other one was fragment of the keep mm-hmm. subtract one from wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by enemy units within six inches of the bear yeah, that is a good one. again taking that wound roll down it, Yeah, when you get to get something like that
1: yeah fragment of the keep was one of mine as well forcing people to not do damage to you is it's <laughs> never thing. a bad thing right The other one I took is the Sword of the Red Seneschals. Mm, Pick one of the bearer's melee weapons in the combat phase. If any enemy models were slain by attacks made with that weapon, add one to wound rolls for attacks made by friendly Soulblight Gravelords units wholly within 12 inches of the bearer until the end of that phase. Mm -hmm. You are basically trying to take your whole army and turbocharge it to 11 and then steamroll your opponents.
0: Now, that would be additive with, at least at this point, Might of the Crimson Keep, where it also adds one. So you could end up adding... No, no, no. This is plus one to the wound rolls. Right. The Might of the Crimson Keep is oh, plus one to your wounds wound characteristic. wound characteristic. Got it. Yes. Calm this, down, Dan. Yeah. Calm down. So this is breath. something
1: that you want to use in combination with when you have gained plus one damage or you're triggering Rousing Commander or the Bloodseeker Palanquin has triggered to give plus one attack to everything sure. plus one
0: damage, plus one attack, plus, plus one, one wound, 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 all those things. Yeah. Right.
1: When you just... get all of the gears going in the correct direction... <sighs> It's almost frightening. You you will be able to look at your opponent's army and go, goodbye. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which would be really cool to do sometime.
1: Yeah. So that is the vampire keyworded dynasty. And there's a lot of things that have the vampire keyword. And that's just one of those things that as you're reading the war scrolls, you got to keep a tight eye for. Okay. Um, because there's a lot more that has the vampire keyword than just vampire lords on zombie dragons and right. the blood knights. Yep. Gotcha. So the last one, Avangori, is one of the ones that includes some of the new models that we got, the Vingorian Lord and Lokavai. And this is meant to play with the big monsters of the army. So you have unridden terror geists and you have unridden zombie dragons and you have Vingorian Lords and this is their home.
0: This reminded me when I first looked at it of Flesh Eater Courts where you're taking five Whatever it is. That reminded me of that kind of a list, that monster bash. It is exactly that. Yeah. It seemed very
1: similar. Because when you get around to it, the Terrorgeists are able to be battle line in Avengory as mm-hmm. well as the zombie dragons. Sure. Where Blood Knights are battle line in Castellai and Vargais are battle line in Legion of Knights. You get a different set of flavor as you build in some of these different ones, and
0: okay. let you do some weird stuff. So let's take a look at the battle traits. There's two, of course, cursed Abominations. It's actually, three. Actually, one, two, three. Yeah, yeah, three. But we've got we've only got half as many command traits, artifacts, etc. And we also have uh, mutations. So we mm-hmm. have, but we only have three of those choices. So we get one more battle trait, less choices in the other Right, because they were trying to get it all to fit on two pages. <laughs> yeah, right, that's, 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 that's <laughs> really if a soul great lords army with the avagori dynasty keyword includes terror geist or zombie dragons one of these models has a curse mutation and you can choose one model to have a curse mutation we'll talk about those in a minute what mm. they are basically mount traits kind of is what that is yes it functions that way you can choose one additional friendly terror geist or zombie dragon to have a curse mutation for each war scroll battalion in your army so you got two war Scrolls. you can pick all three but you can't pick the same one for any two models Right, and yep. you can't double up on a single monster. Right. The next one is Monstrous Might. Subtract one from wound rolls for attacks with melee weapons at target. Terror geists dragons or monsters vampire it's, monsters mon- yeah it's like wow <laughs> unless the attacking unit is a monster yep but for the most part that's really good and then unstoppable nightmares is the third one in the combat phase you can pick one friendly Terrorgeist, zombie dragon or vampire monster to unleash this monster's power if you do so until the end of that phase use the top row we've seen rules like that all the time top row of that model's damage table regardless of how many wounds it has suffered the same model can benefit from this ability more than once for battle so you kind have to keep track of that. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, that when you need it, you get it. Yep. You can die, but man, you are gonna go out in a blaze of glory. <laughs> so that's the deal there. Uh so let's go to command traits. What do you have for that one? I don't really
1: like any of them. I think the one that catches my attention the most is an eye for an eye. Okay. So an eye for an eye, if any wounds or mortal wounds are allocated to this general in the combat phase, add one of the damage characteristics of melee weapons used by this general, including their mount until the end of that phase. Pairing this with Unstoppable Nightmares is not a bad thing. If you know that you're going to be swinging first, but you're probably going to you know die in return, maybe that's not where you do it. But if you know that you're going to take a bunch of damage and you're still going to be up there swinging, you're going to go, cool, I'm going second, but I'm going to fight as if
0: I'm on the top row. That's going to be pretty all right. I'll have two wounds left, but it's okay. Artifacts of power. I'm um, all well, you these, gotta you gotta pick one. I, I picked the same one. Oh, you picked I, the net. same one. Okay. Yep. Okay. So artifacts I picked Gavar's collar. Once per battle at the start of the combat phase, you can say that the bear will don the collar. If you do so, you can re-roll wound rolls of one for attacks made by the bear in that phase. I picked this one because it's something I again, I'm not impressed by any of these. Just well, like they're was
1: all like, once per battle, which, yeah, and which is a like, bummer. Who
0: was thinking of <laughs> who did that,
1: right? It just, yeah, whatever, so. If I'm being honest, Avangori feels like they had one really cool kit, and they're like, it doesn't fit into any of these other ones. Like, I guess (laughs) we'll we'll make another dynasty, and, you know, we'll build some rules around it. And got to the end, you know, they'd spent all this time and effort on the first four, and they got to Avangori, and they went, oh, shoot, this report's (laughs) due in, like, 12 hours, guys. (laughs) If I'm picking... I'll take Breath of the Void, Mom. Once sure. per battle in your hero phase, you can pick one enemy unit within six inches of the bear that's visible to them. On a three-up, the unit suffers D6 mortal wounds. It's a lot of dice rolling. And you roll
0: rolling. a one. Okay. Right. It, well, you, <laughs> Once
1: per battle, you roll a one. You okay. roll a one or a two to trigger it, and then you roll one on the damage. Like, There's a lot of <laughs> dice rolling for not a lot of payoff, but on the other side of it, it can potentially free you up from a combat you don't want to be in.
0: Sure understood and then we have curse mutations this mm-hmm. one again is yeah see i don't know i really like two of
1: these okay okay which one did you pick then I like the Nullblood construct. Mm. Reroll successful casting rolls for enemy wizards within nine inches of this model. Okay, screws around with your opponent's plan.
0: Sure. To me, nine inches is a little close. But if they have a hero, you have seven who, models, right. right? Like this is yeah yeah. The, in order to do anything with this army, you have to be
1: close. There is no holding them at arm's length. There is no like listed benefit to running the little squishies in the lit in this army. You That's can true. take them, but yeah. this list doesn't incentivize anything. That is little and squishy. The other one I like is the Urges of Atrocity. Okay. Once per battle, this model can run and still charge later in the same turn. Sure. That's always great. If you are going to fire off a heat-seeking Terrorgeist missile and you know that those extra inches are going to get you a better charge. Make sure it hits. Right. You send it into your opponent's line, top of one, and now they have to deal with a Terrorgeist for, like, in their battle line right away.
0: And I took Urges of Atrocity just because Mm -hmm. I always like run and charge. It's a great thing and a lot of of units. Most units don't have that. So So let's do spell lores and then we're going to take a break. Yeah, it's just about lunchtime over here. We have Lore of the Vampires and Lore of the Death Mages. Well, before we talk about that. We have Invigorating Aura. You have Invigorating Aura, which is another way
1: to heal your stuff. Yep. So Invigorating Aura has a casting value of 8. Pretty high, but we're going to keep reading. Add one to the roll for each friendly Soulblight Gravelord's hero on the battlefield. So if you have four heroes in the battlefield, you're going to need a four-up. Correct. If successfully cast, pick one friendly Soulbite Gravelord summonable unit. Yeah, it's got to be summonable, but this is, mm-hmm. this is a way to do more revivifying. Holy within 18 inches of the caster.
0: Nice big bubble.
1: Yes, it is. You can either heal up to three wounds allocated to that unit, or if no wounds are allocated to it, you can return a number of slain models to that unit that have a combined wounds characteristic of three or less. Great. The same unit cannot benefit from this spell more than once per turn, wow. but you can cast this as many times as you like. Mm-hmm. So any number of Soulblight Lords wizards can attempt to cast Invigorating Aura in the same hero phase. Wow. So some of these lists that are incentivizing you bringing Dead Walkers and Deathrattle, which are, your for the most part, the only real things that you can summon. Cellbats are there too, I know. It's okay, Dan. But but the meat and potatoes oh, of this yeah. is zombies, direwolves, skeletons, and graveyard. Mm-hmm. I know the Black Knight fans, too, are real disappointed. That's okay. But you can cast this where you're going to get 3 plus D3 consistently on mm-hmm. a lot of these units. And for some of the things that have a higher wound count, like direwolves, where you need to roll at least a 2 to get mm-hmm. a direwolf back... Yeah this is guaranteeing you one mm-hmm. yeah. in the other units where graveguard are super valuable 3 plus D3 is just an absolute gift to be able to say consistently I am at minimum gonna be getting four of this very expensive units 140 points for 10 it's 14 points a model every
0: time that you you know on average you're gonna get five of them back on average if you're mm-hmm. rolling the, d3, two the you're, d3 you're talking
1: about 70 points of retention every one of your hero phases sure this is a significant spell that every wizard knows Mm -hmm. every wizard knows invigorating aura on top of whatever's on their war scroll and on top of whatever spell lore that you pick sure now the nice thing is is that nagash knows all of them of course which with his price tag he better Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) or if you have a hero and you want to throw those three wounds on them they're getting down there a little bit that would move them up a bracket or two maybe on your table for example. No, 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 no. Right. So this is only summonable. summonable got it. Right. Only summonable. I see that now. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Only summonable. Yes. So yes, yes, but no. <laughs> Calm down. This, One word
1: side. This is why it's a two man so show. Exciting. It's so exciting. So Dan, since anyway. you're so excited, let's talk about Lore of the Vampires. Okay. These are for Nagash and Vampire Wizards only. Which
0: two spells did you pick? Pinions. has a casting value of five. One of the things as we go through these, the casting values for these spells are so good. I mean, they're so reliable. They're reliable. Very reliable. If successfully cast until your next hero phase, add six to the, move, the caster's move characteristic. Wow. And you can't benefit more than once per turn from this spell. Right, so wow. if it
1: double triggers, you're not getting plus 12 to your
0: move. Nope. One of
1: Still. the big things to note here for former Legions players... Is this no longer grants the ability to fly? It's still plus six to move, but you don't gain the ability to fly, which your previous Amethyst
0: Pinions did. Okay. So I love that one. And then I also pick Soul Pike. And I know there's some people that are like, ah, I don't know. But this is a 50-50 chance here. Soul Pike has a casting value of only six. It's successfully cast. Pick one enemy unit within 18 inches of the caster that's visible to them. And so your next hero phase, if that unit makes a charge move, roll a number of dice equal to the charge roll for that unit. For each four up, that unit suffers one mortal wound, but it can't be affected, obviously, by this spell more than once per turn, which, again, you can't double, right. double tap so them. So you just
1: pick two different targets. Right. One of the things I really liked about this, and I played a game against Christian from the Pants Mafia. It's on his YouTube channel. I was putting this spell on his units that were going to be able to charge 3d6.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you better hope you don't roll a 17. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sure would be a shame. If you took seven mortal wounds or something like that. Yeah. Seven mortal wounds. Putting this on a hero...
1: Right, a five-wound hero that makes a 10-inch charge,
0: mm-hmm. you
1: can kill them before you know, they even get to the combat phase. Sure.
0: Yeah, so it's not bad.
1: It has a lot of value, and that's one of the reasons why it's one of the ones I picked. Yep. The other one I picked is Amarathian Orb because it's fun. Yeah, sure. It uh, has a casting value of 6. If successfully cast, pick one point on the battlefield within 9-inch of the caster that's visible to them and draw an imaginary line one millimeter wide between that point and the closest part of the caster's base. Mm-hmm. Roll a dice for each unit that has models passed across by this line. On a 2-up, that unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. Death units are not affected by this spell. This is one of the ones where if you get to double cast it,
0: cool. cool. It's a tripwire.
1: It's super close proximity. I really like it on the Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon because his base spell is really meh. This is actually probably going to do more damage than the spell on his war scroll. Okay. And he's going to be in close anyways. Sure.
0: That makes sense. If your local meta is death units, though... Don't take it. Gotcha. You're wasting your time. Moving over to Lore of the Death Mages, this is Nagash, more Tarks, or Death Mages, Wizards. That's it. Okay. So. so I think these are the better
1: spells yeah. pretty consistently. Unfortunately, though. You only have necromancers that are your
0: only <laughs> death mages that you can right. take. I picked Decrepify as my first one. Okay. Uh, has a casting value of six. If successfully cast, pick one enemy hero within 18 inches, good range, that's visible to them until your next hero phase. Subtract one from rule rolls. Why can't I say wound? That's so stupid. Subtract one from wound rolls for attacks <laughs> made by the model and subtract one from the damage characteristic. Whoa, of that melee weapon. So you get somebody who's got a damage characteristic of two, even. You know, you got a bunch of ogres you know, damage two, damage three, whatever it is, you're taking one off of that. Mm -hmm. If they're taking like 10 or 15 swings at you, that's a huge difference in the cumulative damage. Plus you're taking one again from wound rolls. Yeah. Which you could combine that with something else because there are other things in here that give you minus one to wound. We've already talked about some of those. And so that seems really good. Then the other one I like is uh, Spectral Grasp. has a casting value of six. If successfully cast, pick one terrain feature. Wholly within eighteen inches of the caster is visible to them. And so, your next hero phase have the move characteristic, rounding down of enemy units to start a normal move within three inches of that terrain feature. I can think of so many games when a unit has been within within that distance, you know, of, of a, a terrain, terrain feature, and I would just love to have the movement. It just shut them down. It'd be like, yeah, that would be awesome. The tricky part
1: on this one is the terrain feature wholly within eighteen inches of the caster. That's trick, yep. That's tough. But but it does have good value if your opponent specifically, you know, really values being around an objective or around a terrain feature, you know, for whatever reason. And mm-hmm. you know that they're going to sally forth. I can think of something like Deepkin, mm-hmm. where some of the units are going to be hanging out near their gloom tide shipwrecks.
0: And that counts as a terrain feature. It
1: does count as a terrain feature. And then you can use their terrain feature against them.
0: Yeah. It's like if you have some eels there, I mean, that would be really effective, wouldn't it against Mm -hmm. eels? Yes. That would really slow them down. Going
1: from movement, I want to say
0: 14 down to movement seven is. That might make it tough. (laughs) It might make it impossible. Yeah. Which would be really useful. So, and it goes off on a six. I mean, goodness. Mm -hmm. So
1: what did you pick? So there's going to be two that I'm going to talk about and they are my Old, reliable. Okay. Okay. Overwhelming dread, mm-hmm. casting value of a five. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within eighteen inches of the caster, visible to it. To your next hero phase, subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made by that unit. The ability mm-hmm. to trigger this twice and place it on the same unit twice for minus two to hit <sighs> is really good. Yeah, sure. Fading vigor, casting value of a six. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within eighteen inches of the caster, visible them. Subtract one from the attack's characteristics to a minimum of one until your next hero phase. So you take heroes that are on mounts that do a bunch of attacks. Every single profile is loses one attack. T- yeah.
0: Now, this is another one you could double up. This is one you can okay, double now, up. Now, Spectral Grasp, the one I talked about with the terrain, couldn't you double up that one? You could have and have again. Could you not? It doesn't say more than once. That's an interesting question. Yeah. Could you have them once? If they're eight, you could have them before and then have them to two. Because it's picking the terrain feature. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. Just a question. And then Decrepify, I would think that one you can... Yes. That would double up as well, which yes. would be really powerful.
1: That one is a, a clear and obvious answer. Yeah. Because it says, can't be affected by the same spell more than once per turn, I would think that you can quarter it.
0: Yeah. it's. I mean, it seems that would be a good one to fa- FAQ to see. I agree. Yeah. Because uh, that, be, that would be really good, right? And you're like, <laughs> well, your Eels were move 14. Now they're only move three.
1: Now, yeah, now they're, now they're move three. <laughs> and your opponent goes... What? Oh, and you get the double turn. See, so here you go. <laughs> You're
0: going to say hello to him in about two seconds. Yeah.
1: <laughs> That's... One of the things here I'd really like to point out is since Nagash knows all these spells, he's not sure. limited to just the three that you took before, mm-hmm. having the ability to not have to sacrifice any of these for anything else really opens up an interesting toolbox. So having something like Soul Harvest... Which is cast on a seven, enemy units within three inches suffer D3 mortal wounds for each mortal wound inflicted by the spell and not negated. On a five-up, you get to heal for each one of those. Sure. That's pretty cool. Him kicking out Amarathine Orb, being able to toss out Overwhelming Dread, and Fading Vigor, and Spectral Grasp, and Prison of Grief, and Decrefify, <sighs> and Mystic Shield, and... There's a lot of value in that. Now, again, the price tag is still pretty high, and I'm not super sure where the validity of it is. I will be goofing around with some lists to see how it works. But I don't think a lot of folks really appreciate and understand the ability to pull from 13 spells in this lore, plus the realm spell, so 14, plus Arcane bolt, Mystic Shield, both of which he can cast an unlimited number of times. He's not able to necessarily recast Invigorating Aura. Any wizard can attempt to cast it regardless. But so 13, 15, and then the two spells he knows on his own. He knows 17 spells, and you get to cast eight of them a turn, some of which you'll be doubling up on as a result of every nine up. Again, the price tag is a little high. Yeah, almost a
0: thousand points, yeah. Yeah.
1: But you're going to be able to get a lot of mileage on being able to have the right tool in
0: your toolkit for every single situation you can come across. So- okay. Brendan, let's take a break, and we will come back, and we will start talking War Scrolls. hmm Okay. Here's to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. Okay, rolling back in here. We're going to hit up War Scrolls. And a couple of things real quick. First of all, we are not going to talk about any of the Cursed City heroes that are in this book. If you want to know about them, we covered all the Cursed City War Scrolls in Episode 72. So just help yourself. Just a few episodes back. All time stamp. And we're going to talk about Nagash, but very briefly. If you want to know more about it, get Nagash episode way back. At episode thirty-nine is when we did Bone Reapers, and Brendan talked about him. So let's start with Nagash, the the king of all. Yeah. And so, so his war scroll is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. It is
1: entirely the same as when we talked about OCRC Bone Reapers. The points went up, and so. The new points are the points that you've got to live with, and this is the war scroll you've got to play within Bone Rapers. What is relevant here for the conversation of Soulblight Grave Lords is his invocations in Nagash. So you cannot benefit from the Unquiet Dead. I think I've got that rule right. Where you do your healing, uh, sorry, Deathly Invocation. Okay, you cannot. You cannot benefit from Deathly Invocation and from Invocation of Nagash. It's mm-hmm. it's an either or on any given unit. But if you have Invocation of Nagash, you're going to use it because it's way better. <laughs> At the start of your hero phase, if this model's on the battlefield, you can pick up to five different friendly summonable units or friendly Osiarch Bone Reapers units. That's for your Bone Reaper players. Uh, in any combination, for each of those units, you, you can either heal up to three wounds that have been allocated to that unit, or if no wounds have been allocated to it, you can return a number of slain models with a combined wounds characteristic of three or less.
0: Okay, that's
1: it. Cool. He still casts 8 spells. He still has kind of a fighty profile. He still flies. It's still 9 inches. It's still a 3-up save. He's still machine guns, arcane bolts, and mystic shield. He's
0: still going to 4-up after save. Blah, uh, blah,
1: blah. Yeah, if 4-up against mortal wounds, if yeah. rumors are to be believed, mystic shield is going to go to plus 1 to save, in which case he's really good. Because <laughs> the ability to cast <laughs> mystic shield a bunch of times is no longer uh, totally unnecessary because his command ability already does it. If you're going to play him, he's half your army. You're probably going to be taking like a a necromancer, or a vampire lord, and then the rest of your army is going to be models. Yep. So <clears throat> it's a tough ask. I don't think it's impossible, but... Oof. Not tough. Moving over to the characters and the, the rest of this book, the rest of it, Dan, we have Manfred and Neferata. Which one do you want to talk I about? I would love to talk about Manfred. You got it. Okay,
0: so our man Manfred is... Tables, of course, because uh, mm-hmm. he's twelve wounds, three up, save ten bravery, he moves sixteen down to four. Boy, he, that's quite the stretch. It is huge. He gets really tired every th- two or three wounds. He he loses <laughs> three inches of movement. Yeah. He has no shooting attack. He has four melee attacks. The first one is uh, Geist Four, which is his special uh, sword, sword of sword, an and power. he has a special rule for that. It's four attacks, three by threes, minus one D three damage. His sickle glaive is two inch, two attacks, three by three minus 1 2 damage. The Ebon Claws for his beautiful mount is <clears throat> from six down to two attacks, four by threes, minus two Ren, two damage. And then we have spectral claws and daggers. We know about those one inch, six of them, five by four, one damage, plus the special thing we're going to talk about. He has a mount, he can fly, and he has the hunger, which is very... Whoa, gotten quick. too far
1: on the war scroll, oh, wait a minute Okay. So, so if this model is included in a Soulblight Gravelord's army with the Legion Knight, Knight yep. lineage keyword, this model is treated yes, as a general. this is the new thing. Yes, In addition yes. to the model that is chosen to be the Army General. And you're going to see this rule throughout. Mm -hmm. Basically, everything that has already... Been keyword locked into a specific lineage has that rule exactly for their specific lineage, right? Which is great because now you don't feel like you're having to make that really annoying trade off between I want to have this character, but I also want to have a general,
0: right? And that makes sense too because you know, if you make him a general, you can't give him traits, you can't give him relics, you can't do any things that. A lot of the traits, and trait all the traits, but a lot of the artifacts and stuff also are general specific. Mm-hmm. And so he can't take any of those anyway. Nephi can't take any of those anyway. Your name characters can't do that. But they can also serve as a general, which gives you a bigger bubble for a lot of things and a lot of other positive things. So yes. thank you for bringing that up. Yep. Okay. So we've got the hunger, which is a very typical vampire rule. Yeah. Everything that is vampire <laughs> has, has the hunger. So at the end of the combat phase, if any, any enemy models were slain by wounds inflicted by this model's attacks in that phase, it can heal up to D3 wounds. Okay? Coolio. I mean, that's nice. He's a 12-wound model. He needs as many as he can get. Yeah, absolutely. Nephew's 12. A lot of these heroes are 12. And he's got the armor of Temple Hoff, as he always has. The first wound, a mortal wound allocated to this model each phase is negated. So if it's... The hero phase and somebody casts a spell he could slough off one wound you know or whatever well, yeah so shooting a- phase he can slough off a wound and so
1: this applies after you take your death save nice. so if they only do one to you in that
0: phase you go and you miss your death save you go cool neat i ignore it okay
1: and you know, go, gosh darn it.
0: <laughs> so and then we have the sword of own Un- unholy power, which is the guys 4 If any enemy models are slain by wounds inflicted by this model's guys 4 until the end of that phase, add one to attack characteristics of melee weapons used by friendly soul blight grave summonable units while they're wholly within twelve inches of this model. Beautiful. Plus a, one attack. That's a big deal. Keeping
1: him around, you know, zombies and skeletons, things that are incentivized in being taken in Legion of Night. Now, granted, it applies in any of them, but in the context uh-huh. of his sub-faction specifically, yep. uh, that's pretty
0: useful. You're going to see uh, a lot of summonable things in Manfred's army. You will. Absolutely. And then we have Mortark of Night at the start of the combat phase. Of this model is within three inches of any enemy units. You can remove this model. Oh, this is so good, Brennan. It's a new thing for him. If he is within three inches of any enemy models, you can remove this model from the battlefield and set it up again anywhere on the battlefield more than nine inches from all enemy units. This is at the start of... Of the combat phase any combat phase yes so if your enemy charges Manfred mm-hmm. he can just say "Sia" and he can move away yes unless your
1: opponent has something where they fight at the start of the combat phase in right. their turn
0: yes this would circumvent this rule so for example my night haunt my wave of terror mm-hmm. that happens during the that charge phase. during the charge phase which right. is different than something like the
1: flesh eater quartz gristle gore Mm -hmm. where the general, if they charge, fights at the start of the combat phase. Okay, They would fight first, then you would go to your opponent, do you have any things to occur at the start of the combat phase? That's when they would trigger, after you have resolved your things first. Okay, Or you're playing Deepkin. Right, but that's still really good. It's a very limited scope, and there are things to deal with it, but most armies are not going to be able to do much about it, Yeah, which is kind of cool.
0: And then he has Frightful Touch, of course, with the... Spectral Claws and Daggers, Sixes or Mortal Wounds, attack sequence ends. Very typical yep. for a death army. This is going to be the same across a number of units in the book as well. Yeah, a lot of people I, have ghosts on their bases. It, it has been the same for time immemorial. <laughs> the- okay, so he is a wizard. He has two casts and two unbinds. He knows Arcane Bolt, Mystic Shield, and Wind of Death. Wind of Death has a casting value of 7. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within 18 inches of the cast, or invisible to them. Roll a dice for that enemy unit and each other enemy unit within six. Six inches of that unit. On a 3-up, the unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. Brandon, you could have one unit that you hit and there could be four other units on the edges or behind or wherever mm-hmm. that are all going to get affected. Yeah, this one's got a high upside, right? The issue is it's a casting value of a 7.
1: There's no way for him to get re-rolls right. off of it, but... You're right. You can toss this at a unit that covers a big area of the board, or maybe they've used one unit to screen a large part of their army, and there's going to be a lot of units within six inches of that unit.
0: Yeah. Well, I think about your one ogre unit I could have hit up, and you had like two or three other units right next to it, mm-hmm. which, yeah, that would have been great. Yeah. I, I mean, it's good. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. The command ability figure of Undeath. You can use this once per turn in your hero phase. If you do so, add one to hit wound rolls for friendly Soulblight Grave Lord units. <laughs> add one to hit wound rolls again. Yep. Uh, Holy within twelve inches of this model. Nice.
1: Yeah. Great. And pairing that with his Mortark of Night, you can use that to position him into advantageous areas where, heck, you can even use him in your turn to charge into a unit at the start of the combat phase, then teleport him where you really want him, which he wouldn't have been able to get to in his normal movement phase. Hmm. Then because he charged in that turn, you can activate him to pile in three inches closer. Hmm. So he's actually only six inches away from an enemy unit, which means that he's going to have more range to hand off his bubbles.
0: Now, this would be in addition to then his sword, which gives you plus one to. Attack characteristic to a unit, right? Well, right, but he has then, to kill something. Right, but if he does that, you could get plus one attack, plus one hit, and plus one wound.
1: Yes, yes but, you could. The, but the attack is only to summonable units. Correct. The command ability but is. But that two. would be grave. Yeah, Graveguard. Graveguard, yeah. But the command ability is to any Soulblight Grave Lords unit. Yeah. So that's vampires, that's heroes, that's Anybody. summonable, anything as long as it has that keyword.
0: Okay. Nefrata. Let's move on to her.
1: Well, real quick. Manfred oh. is one of the big winners in this book. He's huge. He's a better save. He got another wound. His scroll is just better. It's been really hard writing lists without him because of what he does is so, so excellent. Mm-hmm. But yes, to neferata now okay so neferata is keyword locked in the legion of blood she is movement 16 down to four same as manfred i guess these vampires just get real tired three up save another improvement she used to be a four up save and 12 wounds these are things in combination that you're going to really feel when you're playing that you're like oh these are much less fragile than they were before and bravery 10 because vampire of course she has the akhmet Har. The Dagger of Jet, which is a one-inch range, five attacks, twos by threes, rend one, damage one. The Aken Seth, one-inch range, two attacks, twos by threes, rend two, damage two. And then she has the Abyssal Talons and Spectral Claws, which are exactly the same as Manfred's, because they have the same kind of mounts. Yes. If she's included in a Legion of Blood Army, she is also a general in addition to everything else. That's what you're talking about, yep. Yep. She can fly... Her dagger of jet at the end of any phase in which any wounds uh, were inflicted by this model's Akhmet mar in that phase were allocated to an enemy hero and not negated. And the enemy model has not been slain. Roll a (laughs) dice on a five up. That enemy hero is slain.
0: Now, you know, when you think about all the die rolls that's going to take, it doesn't matter. That is just so cool that you got a one in three shot to just whisk It's gone.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's so cool. It doesn't matter if you killed Neferata in return. It doesn't, like, if you suffered a wound from that top profile, that five attacks, twos by threes, drend one, damage one, and you didn't die, at the end of that phase, I get to go 33% chance to see if you make it, Archeon. Goodbye. (laughs) Oh, look at that, a six. I'll take that trade. That's amazing. She is the Mortark of blood. At the end of the combat phase, if any enemy models were slain by wounds inflicted by this model's attacks in that phase, you can heal up to D6 wounds allocated to this model. All right pretty good obviously an improved version of the hunger but that Mm -hmm. makes sense she also has frightful touch for the spectral claws and daggers yep yep. she is a two cast two unbind wizard her base spell is dark mist has a casting value of a six this is a really good spell if successfully cast pick one friendly soulbite grave lord's unit wholly within 12 inch of the caster ignore negative modifiers when making save rolls for attacks that target that unit until your next hero phase
0: this is like ethereal plus is what this is (laughs) No negative modifiers, but you can add to save. You sure can. And it's unmodifiable. Oh my gosh, Brendan, that is so good. Because pairing that, that, that with so good. something back
1: very early on that we talked about, right? <clears throat> you know, like practically an hour ago in your in your ears, when we were talking about the Dynasty of Blood, right? We talked about an artifact, the Soulbound yeah. Garments, add one of the save rolls for attack the target the bearer. So you can be a two-up Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon. Pairing this with a command ability that we're going to talk about in a little bit on the Coven Throne, for plus one to save, you are a two-up, unrendable... It's unbelievable. ...Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon. It's unbelievable. It's really good. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. So this is a, a good shout, right? Where Manfred really plays well in any other of the sub-factions, except for kind of avangory but that's the same with a lot of the stuff he plays well in virkos he plays well in castellae knight blood neferata plays really well in blood and Castellai. because the ability to hand this out to a turbocharged vampire lord on zombie dragon now granted you know they're not going to be doing the base plus one save from the coven throne or from the artifact oh sorry the coven throne would make them a one-up save my apologies um (laughs) You don't have the artifact. You're just a two-up. Oh, darn. Supercharging a supercharged, unkillable killing machine is pretty good. Yeah. Command abilities. You can use this command ability once per turn in your hero phase. If you do so, subtract one from hit rolls for attacks made with melee weapons that target friendly Soulbite Gravelord units wholly within 12-inch of this model until mm. your next hero phase. So you get to put her in the middle of your battle line and just move it all up together. This is one of the things that you see, just like Manfred's Mortark of Night, where you can use him to teleport all over the board and play mm. mind games with your opponent. This is one of the things that you see Neferata's rule and her legion overlap. Her stuff can never suffer from a negative modifier. A lot of your stuff is going to be useless in terms of like what you paid for. And now she's going to sit at the center of this brick of skeletons and graveguard, and march forward, and you're going to just crash against this wall, and nothing is gonna happen. Mm-hmm. So, awesome.
0: Pretty okay. Okay, here's the man himself Prince Vordry. It's Vordry time. Prince Vordry is keyworded Castellai Din- Dynasty. He's mm-hmm. got that one. He has, before I go into the things, he's in the specifics, he's got the same kind of rule as the other two. If this model is included in a Soulbite Grave Lord's army with a Castellai Dynasty, lineage this model is treated as a general in addition to the model that is chosen there mm-hmm. you go just like you said he has got a 14 down to a six he is 14 wounds three up save 10 bravery he has three melee attacks two inch range four attacks three by threes minus two two damage he has a snapping maw on his what does he got has he got a he's got a dragon a zombie dragon yeah yep. okay and uh, three attacks four by three four by threes, minus two, rend d6 damage, and then sword-like claws with anywhere from seven down to three attacks, Four by three is minus one, two damage. He also has, he can fly, of course, and he's got the hunger, of course, regular hunger. Mm-hmm. Chalice of Blood once per battle. In your hero phase, you can heal up to D6 wounds. Very nice. Blood Lance Charge add two to the damage characteristic of this model's Blood Lance, which is a two, so it's going to be damage four. And improve the Ren by once. It's going to be Ren three, damage four, Brenton. Pretty good. <laughs> and your. Hitting on threes, wounding on threes. Ouch,
1: man. And when you take into consideration that he is Castellai and playing in Castellai, you can get him to an additional damage on that. So he's run three, damage five on the lance. You know, he can be 14 wounds, which is fine, and plus two to run and charge. <sighs> it's this is a character where the goal is entirely unsubtle.
0: Sure. Yep. So we have Breath of Uh, Shaiish. It's not a shooting attack. Oh, okay. In your shooting phase. Yes. Okay. Because it's not listed as an attack in its profile. Right. So you can run and still do this. Okay. So in your shooting phase, you can pick one enemy unit within nine inches of this model that's visible to it. On a three up, that unit suffers the number of mortal wounds equal to the Breath of Shaiish value shown on the the table. It's from D6 down to one. It used to be
1: just straight six on that first table. And that was bananas.
0: And this is still still really good. Yes. Uh, combined with all the other stuff. Um, he is a wizard. He has one unbind and one cast. And the only thing he's going to be trying casting is, is, his, is his base spell. <laughs> if you cast it on a seven, add one to hit... <laughs> Here we go. He's he's doing that lance on twos by twos. Because you add one to hit and wound rolls mm-hmm. for attacks made by melee weapons by the caster. Ay yeah, yay Right. So his lance goes to twos by twos. The maw goes
1: to threes to twos. The sword-like claws go to threes and twos.
0: That's pretty good. Just run him into anything. Doesn't yeah. matter what you run him into. Right.
1: You're going to melt whatever it is that you that yeah. you make contact with.
0: Just total steamroller. He's not a hammer. He's more like a mace. <laughs>
1: Well, and then when you <laughs> jump down to his command ability, yeah,
0: which so you can use the command ability once per turn in your hero phase. If you do so, pick one other other friendly Grey Greylores hero that is wholly within twelve inches of this model. That hero can fight again. It can yeah. fight. Yeah, it fights in the hero phase. Right, right. So so, you, so it's fighting in the hero phase. Right. Is what it is. So you We've pair right. So you pair him with a Vampire Lord or a Zombie Dragon. Right, or Pro-
1: probably or anybody. Because you can run him in, not Castileye, and pair him up in Legion of Night with right. Manfred. Or Manfred. And you go, here you go, Manfred. You get to fight. You know, we're going to free you up from that spot so you can go do this other thing over here. Mm-hmm. If you have Vordhai and another Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon, you're talking about 800 and some odd points to your army. Yeah, true. Huge price tag. But like I said before, the results that you are aiming for is entirely unsubtle. It is mm-hmm. just a wrecking ball that you are attempting to achieve into your opponent's battle line.
0: Okay, and now we have the War Club. We have the Crimson Court. So <laughs> that is
1: Prince Duval. He's a 6-inch move, 3-up save, bravery 10, 5-wound uh, hero. He's got his Possessed Blade, which is a 1-inch range, 4 attacks, 3s by 3s, rend 1, damage 2. Neat. He, he has the Hunger. He's a 1-cast, one 1-unbind one wizard. And he the base spell he has is Fiendish Lure. It casts on a 5. You pick one enemy unit within 6 inches of the caster It is visible to them. Add one to hit rolls for attacks that target that unit until your next hero phase. (laughs) Okay. He is paired with the Crimson Court, which are six inch move, four up save, bravery ten, one wound apiece. Gorath the enforcer adds two to his wounds characteristics, so he is three. three. Mm -hmm. They have three different weapon profiles for the three different models. The Soulbound Mace, which Gorath has, is two inch range, twos by three uh two attacks, threes by twos, no rend damage d3. The paired blades is one inch range, three attacks, fours by threes, rend one damage one. And the honed bludgeon is one inch range, two attacks, fours by threes, no rend damage one. They have the hunger, And when this unit makes a move, it can pass across terrain features in the same manner as a model that can fly. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. It's like a mini hero unit that you would get if you choose to take it. It's not at that same level that some of the other uh, Underworlds teams that we've been talking about as of late meet, where there's like real, actual, meaningful effectiveness on the table Mm -hmm. where you go, okay. And it's it's 200 points for four models. Okay. Yeah. I think largely that can be better spent, but it's not totally useless. It's a hero and some other models. Okay. For two hundred points. If
0: you have a weird number of points floating around, okay, buy in. Sure. And then we have the mother of nightmares. Yes. Lock of eye. Beautiful. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful. You want to talk about her or the Lord? Sure,
1: I'll talk about her. She is the named character for Avangori, and as such, if you take Avangori, is treated as the general, regardless of who else you would take as the general. Mm-hmm. It could be anybody, could be a Vangorian Lord. Probably just that. 12 inch move, 3 up save, bravery 10, 11 wounds. She can fly. She has the Askerga Rapier, which is a one-inch range, four attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage two. Gore Drench Challenge, three-inch range, three attacks, fours by threes, rend one, damage d6. And the Impaling Tail, which is one-inch range, d6 attacks, fours by fours, no rend, damage one. Yeah. That's pretty all right. It's the exact same profile as the Vangorian Lord, but... Yep. The difference is she makes it up in her different abilities and things like that.
0: And unlike the Vingorian Lord, she is one of the models that can be a general. Naturally, automatically, right. yes. Right.
1: But she is named, so taking yeah. her across lists is not always as attractive as a Correct. Vingorian Lord. Yep. So she is the tra- uh, the champion of Avangori. After this model makes a charge move, you can pick one enemy unit within one inch of this model and roll a number of dice equal to the charge roll for that charge move. For each five up, that enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. All right. It's neat. It's a little more damage. Nightmare's Miasma, which is pretty good. While an enemy unit within 3 inches of any friendly models with this ability worsen the Ren characteristics of that unit's melee weapons by 1 to a minimum of Mm. blank. There's no adding saves to you by making their Ren so bad that, (laughs) that your save is better. Undeniable Impulse. So this is a rule. I like what they're trying to go for here. I don't know necessarily the value it provides. At the start of your hero phase, roll a dice for this model. If the roll is equal to or less than the number of the current battle round, until your next hero phase, this model can run and still charge later in the same turn. However, this model cannot use command abilities until your next hero phase.
0: Mm.
1: Any command abilities, not just the one on your war scroll, flatly. You know, you can't Mm -hmm. re-roll charge rolls, you can't re-roll hit rolls of one. Just blanket statement. Mm -hmm. She has the hunger, she is a one cast, one unbind wizard, and she has death downpour. Which is an amazing spell, but is a nightmare to cast. Hmm. So, uh, casting value of an 8, if successfully cast, charge rolls made for enemy units within 12 inches of this model are halved until your next hero phase. Wow. It's a high price to pay, but if you get it off, it's really good and then her command ability a queen amongst monsters you can use this command ability once per turn in your hero phase if you do so pick one enemy unit on the battlefield until your next hero phase add one to hit rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by friendly soulbite grave lord monsters that target that enemy unit Okay. okay all right i personally like the vingorian lord better okay because the vangorian lord has some more flexibility
0: so his profile is essentially the same he has one less wound but his melee weapons are the same he has nightmare miasma we talked about that already the same reduce that's the same undeniable impulse is the same the hunger is the hunger of the Mm -hmm. vampire rule he is a wizard one cast one unbind clotted deluge is his spell has a casting value of six reasonable if successfully cast pick one enemy unit within 12 inches of the caster that is visible add one to wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons that target that unit okay it's pretty good take it right and then the command ability festering feast you can use this command ability at the end of the combat phase if any attacks made by a friendly soul bite Lord's unit in that phase destroyed any enemy units. If you do so, you can heal up the D6 wounds allocated to that Soulblight Lord's unit. The same unit cannot benefit from this command ability more than once per phase. That's a great way of healing your vampires. Yep. Now, this, Brendan, the way this reads, that's anywhere. Yeah. It's not within so many inches of him or anything else. It's, it's just anywhere, anywhere on the board. Anywhere on the board. That's mm. really
1: good. As long as one of your units killed another unit, that unit that did the killing can heal D6 wounds. wounds. Yeah. Now, you can't return models, but this is something where Vampire
0: Lords on Zombie Dragons, Vingorian Lords, your Mortarks, and the Cache. Or like Vordry or your Vampire Lord on the Zombie Those yep. guys are going to be in close combat. They're going to be locked in he can no matter where he is he can just say okay roll a d6 mm-hmm. and because they're going to be killing units
1: <laughs> right and this is one of the things where we talk about is keyworded vampire here on vangorian lord castellae makes sense
0: all mm-hmm. right oh there's grandma okay
1: gotta love her so do you want to talk about belladama volga or radakar because I'll talk of...
0: about Radicar. I think. Okay.
1: Yeah. Now we're going to start talking about the four Virkos characters. Belladama Volga is first amongst them. She is a 10-inch move, 4-up save, bravery 10, 9-wound grandma on wolf. <laughs> um, she has the time-worn scimitar, 1-inch range, 3 attacks, 3s by 3s, rend 1, damage D3. Pretty fair output.
0: Lupine the w- wolf is bigger than she is. It's yeah. like insane.
1: The lupine fangs and claws is 1-inch range, 6 attacks, 4s by 4s, no rend, damage 1. If she's in a Virkos army, she is treated as a general. Uh, wolves are treated as mounts. She has the hunger. She has the first of the Virkos, which is add 1 to casting, dispelling, and unbinding rolls for this model. In addition, roll a dice before you allocate a wound or a mortal wound to this model if it is within three inches of any friendly dire wolves, keyworded. On a three-up, that wound or mortal wound is allocated to one of those units instead of this model. Which you're like, okay, you know, that uh, she's probably going to have, you know, a retinue of, you know, some wolves. Well, let's hold on here a second, because we're going to talk about how many wolves she can have. <laughs> sure. Belladama is a wizard. She can attempt to cast two spells and unbind two spells. And remember, if you're playing her in Virko, she can re-roll casting rolls. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has the Lycan Curse, which is a casting value of a 7. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within 18 inch of the cast visible Invisible to Them. That unit suffers D3 mortal wounds.
0: And it's actually a casting value of 6 because she's always adding 1. Correct. Yeah. If any models in that unit were slain by
1: this spell, before removing the last slain model, you can add one unit of <laughs> Dire Wolves to your army. The number of models in, these in the new unit must be equal uh... to the number of models in the enemy unit that were slain by this spell. Set so up a new unit within 3 inches of the slain model's unit and then remove the slain model from play that's
0: awesome brendan i mean the most you're going to kill is three sure but it's three dire wolves back it's three dire wolves for free
1: yeah right and how much does a unit of dire wolves cost
0: dan it's 10 for it's 135 for 10 okay so it's 13 points a model so you're talking up to about 40 points worth of wolves potentially yeah and over Every the, time she casts this.
1: And over the course of the game, that's pretty good. <laughs> you know, on its own. Yeah, sure. Her second spell is Under the Killing Moon, which is a casting value of a 6. If successfully cast until your next hero phase, if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with a melee weapon by a friendly Soulblight Gravelord's unit wholly within 12 inches of the caster is 6, that attack inflicts two hits on the target instead of one. Make a wound and save roll for each. Exploding 6s. Right, so this means that she wants to be close to the action, and she's got her wolf shrug, so uh-huh. she can be close to the action. You're not going to feel bad about
0: it. She certainly seems like, based on her profile and stuff, to be a support character. Mm-hmm. I mean, shes you're not going to expect her to do a whole lot of damage. Right, she's not going to do the work, no. but... Unit, the units that
1: are wholly within 12 inches of her yes. are going to. Absolutely. Both of these are agnostic of whatever lineage you put her in. Yep. Now, granted, she's best in Virkos because you get to re-roll these casting attempts. You can put her in night. You can mm-hmm. put her anywhere. You're right. Yes, you can. And then so her command ability, pack alpha. You can use this command ability at the start of your hero phase. If you do so, pick one friendly direwolf unit wholly within 12 inches ah. of this ah. model. That unit is eligible to fight in the combat phase if it's within six inches of an enemy unit instead of three and can move an extra three inches when it piles in.
0: Okay. I mean, we'll talk about wolves for sure. And you're not going to really send them around expecting them to kill stuff. They have another purpose. Like, they're really good screens because they're shockingly durable. Excellent, yeah.
1: And they're summonable, so it's tough to move them if you've put them where you want them to be. Yeah. Absolutely. And then between Lady Anika and Kritza, which one do you want to talk about? I want to Dan? talk
0: talk about the rat guy. <laughs> okay. So why don't you talk about Anika? So
1: Lady Anika, the thirsting blade, is a keyword locked Virkos dynasty, and if she's in your army, she also counts as your general. So mm-hmm. four you can potentially have five generals if you want to take mm-hmm. all of the Virkose heroes and then whoever sure. you want to take is your general. Sure. She's a 6-inch move, 4-up save, bravery 10, 6-wound. Her weapon is 1-inch range, 4 attacks, 3s by 3s, rend 1, damage D3. It's
0: pretty good. Okay, yeah. You
1: know She's only a 120-ish, yeah, 130 she's points, not many something points, like that. not many
0: points at all. She
1: has supernatural speed. You roll a dice each time you allocate a wound or a mortal wound to this model, and a 4-up, that wound or mortal wound is negated, which... It's pretty good. She's so. 110. Yeah. yeah. And then her this weapon... This is really neat. At the end of a phase, if any enemy models were slain by wounds inflicted by this model's attacks in that phase, you can heal all wounds allocated to this model. Not
0: bad. Depending on where you put her and what do you use her for. Uh,
1: yeah, again, if you've got some just kind of like weird points in your army and it doesn't make sense to have another just regular vampire lord because you know that your command point burn isn't going to be good enough i don't know you can do worse mm-hmm. it's yeah for sure not a wizard though which
0: a little disappointing but yeah okay let's talk about kretzka the rat prince same profile in terms of numbers as anika his gnaw blade is one inch range four attacks three by threes minus one d3 okay yeah so Pretty the same much the same yep exactly and, the same yeah and so he's treated as a general if he's in the army A Virkos Army. A Virkos Army. If this model has been slain, this is what I love, because you talked, Brendan, a couple of times about how you can just confound your opponent with this army with so many ways you can put things here, put things there, just all kinds of shenanigans you can do. He's just like one more little thing to annoy your opponent because if this model has been slain at the end of your movement phase, roll a dice, on a four-up, a new model identical to the one that was slain is added to your army, set it up anywhere on the battlefield nine inches from enemy units. This is going to... To
1: require an faq mm. and a reasonable person is going to read that and say okay well if he dies i can set up another one somewhere on the table mm-hmm. cool an unreasonable person is going to read that and go well technically rules is written a new one is set up mm-hmm. it doesn't say that this ability stops but it says if this model has been slain right a new one identical to the one that was slain is added to your army okay so so this is this is where we're gonna go on
0: this is weird that you're i'm not understanding so so this is
1: this is some wild angle shooting stuff okay 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 and and i don't think that this other part is going to be legal but it's it's a funny (laughs) rules is written interaction (laughs) okay so the first one is dead Mm Mm-hmm. gone you've rolled a four up and another one is on the table the second one dies now you roll two four ups
0: because it doesn't say... Oh, that's what you're talking... It's the number of... It's the, it's the number.
1: number of missing crits of. Okay, that's so, what it is.
0: disclaimer... Okay. That's what you're suggesting. Do not
1: play it that way unless Games Workshop says that that is the way it's supposed because to be played. Because at your
0: tournament, you will rule that it's only one model returning. Unless Games Workshop FAQs it as the way that I, I just it. I can't imagine that. Although, rat swarms? You never in, know. In which case...
1: I hope someone does it because I did the math for it. And the maximum number of crits you can have on the table is 16. That's hilarious. And part <laughs> of me, so fun. part of me hopes that it is legal because, because I want to, I want to be present at the event where someone walks away from a table at some point And I'm just like, Hey man, like what's going on? And he's like, the guy has 12 named heroes on the table.
0: <laughs> Can't kill them all. <laughs>
1: Because they're everywhere. He's he was 115 points for the first one, and now he's got 1,200 points of them on the table. Oh, that is too much. Again, I don't think that that's the
0: interaction that is supposed to occur. <laughs> right. However... It would be fun. It would be really fun. <laughs> That's great. And then the last little thing for him after that is that he subtracts one from hit rolls for attacks made with melee weapons that target him. Okay. It, that's fine. It's not yeah. as fun. No, not nearly as fun as his other role. Here's where,
1: remember oh. remember when we talked about just a couple episodes ago how weird it was that they were talking about keyword Radicar mm-hmm. in, in the command abilities? Well, folks, this is where it makes sense. So... In Curse City, we had Radikar the Wolf, and we're not going to talk about him, and we're not going to talk about his bodyguard and the the menagerie that came with him. But there is apparently a canon ending to Curse City in which Radikar becomes Radikar the Beast. Yes. He leaves the cursed city, and and so Dan, would you like to talk about Radicar talk about the Beast? Because he's awesome. since we pre-agreed to you talking about Radicar the Beast. <laughs> okay,
0: yeah, that would be good. That you uh, you're gonna let me do that. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. So Radicar the Beast, eight inch move, twelve wounds, forp save, ten bravery, two attacks. One is the blood slit claws, two inch range, six attacks, three by threes minus one, two damage. And then his two little buddies that are on his base, piercing blades, one inch range, six attacks, three by threes minus one, d three damage. Those are pretty good. Between mm-hmm. the two of them, that's pretty good stuff. He can be a general, as we've talked about before, if he's in a Virkos Dynasty army. This model can run and charge in the same later in the same turn. Very nice. He has the hunger because he is a vampire. Supernatural reflexes. Subtract one from hit rolls. Excellent. Unleash ferocity. If the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with his blood slick claws is six, that attack inflicts two mortal wounds and the attack sequence ends.
1: Pairing that, though... With Eladama's under a killing moon, sixes to hit inflict two hits. Mm-hmm. So you would do two mortal wounds, and then you would make a save, uh, a wound roll, and a save roll for that extra one that splits off from yep. that. He's got twelve attacks
0: on his profile, so you can only use it for the the right. claws, unfortunately. Yeah. However. But- Yes, That's a lot of attacks off of one model. Agreed. Then Call to the Hunt is his command ability. He's not a wizard. Actually, has two command abilities. Yep, you're right. The rare double command ability model. Call to the Hunt is the first one, and you can use this command ability at the start of the combat phase. If you do so, pick one friendly model with this command ability. Has made a charge move, so he has to have made a charge move. Mm -hmm. Add one to the attack's characteristics of melee weapons used by friendly, soul grave Gravelord's units wholly within 18 inches of this model until the end of the face, the same unit cannot benefit from this command ability more than once per face. Okay, there we go. Adding one more to attacks. Man, there's just so much of that in this book. Mm-hmm. Plus one attack, plus one hit, plus one wound, minus one wound. It's just all kinds of stuff here. You got to manage all those bubbles, though. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
1: Absolutely, and you're not going to be able to take everything you want of in time. the list. Of course, it's just—it's a book that's pointed in a way where you can't take everything, yes. which is good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> now the other one's really fun is Mustering Howl. You can use this command ability once per battle at the end of your movement phase. If you do so, you can have one of you of ten dire wolves. Man, that's amazing because they thats like 135 points. Right, so
1: that's 135 points for free, and, and Radicar, Radicar the Beast is 315. <laughs> Cool. So if you if you include that hundred and thirty five in hundred yeah hundred and seventy
0: hundred and eighty, the unit has to be set up wholly within twelve inches of a Of course, yeah, fine, whatever. But it's ten direwolves. <laughs> My gosh, oh, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, it's one of these things where you see the combination of him and Belladama coming together very clearly. Yes. And if you have another model that's your general in Vircos that can summon another five, well there you go. Like that's pretty good. Or your other general is a Vangorian lord and you are using the command trait where you know he counts as ten wounds and then you summon ten direwolves there with him and now you have twenty mo- now you have twenty wounds capping that objective.
0: In just a moment. Like in just no for time. free.
1: Yeah. Like <laughs> He's very interesting. I quite like him as a hero that you have to consider. His command ability for the plus one to charge is also one of the ones that plays really well across all of the dynasties. Mm -hmm. Him running alongside a bunch of blood knights, Mm -hmm. not a bad thing. Him running alongside a bunch of things in Legion of Blood, not a bad thing. Him running next to a bunch of skeletons, zombies, anything. sure, It's all good. And he can almost keep up with the Blood Knights because he's movement 8, they're movement 10. So he, He's 8 and run in charge, yep. so on average he's going to be... Right in there with him. Exactly. Yeah,
0: which is great. Mm-hmm. We're going to skip over all the stuff from Cursed City. and We're going to go right to Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon. Yes. And Vampire
1: Lord on Zombie Dragon, or his less expensive version of a Vangorian Lord, are going to be your real heavy hitters in this book. Now, he does come in at a pretty sizable price 435, tag four thirty four thirty five. 435 something. Yeah, he's huge. Yeah. 14 inch move down to six. 3 up save, which is good because everyone used to just take him with the shield, anyways, and so everybody's Vampire Lord was a 3 up save, so. Okay. It, now it's official. Bravery 10, 14 wounds. Pestilent Breath, which is a 9 inch range, 1 attacks, 3s, and then the 2 wound scaled down is from 2s downs to 6s. Rend 3, damage d6. Cool. He has to pick between the Death Lance and the Vampiric Sword. And you're almost always taking the lance. The lance is range one, three attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage two. And the vampiric sword is one inch range, four attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage d3. The zombie dragon is the same zombie dragon that you saw from Vordhai. Three snapping maw attacks, seven swords down the threes. The Pestilential Breath, you can roll a dice before making the hit roll for the attack. If it's less than, e- if it's equal to or less than the number of models in the target unit, it automatically hits. So if you're shooting at a unit that has six or more models, you don't have to roll a hit roll. This is cool. Here's the Hunger, and then the Death Lance Charge, adding two to the damage and adding one to the Rend. So it's Rend 2, damage 4 off the charge on the lance. Right. And again, pairing that with the artifact in Virkos where it's plus D3 attacks off the charge... Pretty okay. (laughs) You know, it's all right. He is a wizard. He one cast, one unbind, and his spell is garbage. Yeah. The Curse of Exsanguination has a casting value of a 6. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within 18 of the caster is visible to them. That unit suffers one mortal wound. If that mortal wound is allocated to the model in a unit and not negated... And that model is not slain by the mortal wound you can roll a dice and on a four up that model suffers one mortal wound and you can roll another dice that the mortal wound allocated and not negated and the wound and the model is not slain keep rolling dice in this way until either no mortal wounds are inflicted the mortal wound is negated or the model is slain now if you're playing this rule on a Tuesday and it's cloudy and <laughs> Yeah, in the in the one game of Soulblight Gravelords where I was I was playing, I didn't have really anything else I wanted him casting because I had cast a Amaranthine Orb from another location, mm-hmm. and I was sitting there going, "Okay, I do have this hero that's over here that I need to kill. It's going to take more than D three. Assuming I roll high on an arcane bolt, I'm likely to only
0: roll." you know, one mortal wound on an arcane bolt. So I guess I'm going to do this. Yes, sure. Well, and now though, mm-hmm. that mystic shield is what we think it's going to be. Why would you not just cast mystic shield on yourself? Right. TBD. I mean, that's, yeah, that's way to go. So that would be a good thing to do. We don't know that for sure. Right? We don't. If it is true, then that would certainly Mm. be the way to go.
1: Yeah. He just benefits from a spell that is not his base spell more regularly. Like sure. Pinions is a better target on him than saying I want to cast this almost always to to get up to a twenty inch move is useful. Yeah. Right. Like for
0: somebody who's that punchy. Yeah. For
1: sure. Yeah. So Dan. (sighs) <sighs> you want to talk about Blood Knights? Yeah,
0: sure. Why not? Let's say new updated. Models. Up new new models, models, which are beautiful, of course. We've got... Ten inch move, three wounds each, three up save, ten bravery, two attacks. We have the Templar Lancer Blade, one inch range, three attacks, three by threes, minus one, one damage. Who's in teeth? One inch, three, four by fours, one damage. So but- I really like in the profile that they
1: combine the swords and the spears yes. so that so that you don't have to worry about how it is that you've built
0: your unit. It's always gonna be good. Yeah. Right. It is. does the same thing. So far, there's not much here. I mean, it doesn't look like there's that much here. One damage, eh, whatever. It's one ninety-five for five of them. Yeah. And yes, on the front of this... Right. On the... At first, you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. models are cool, but... Those are very expensive... Nice. Yeah, yeah, right. You've got the couple of things. You've got the champion who adds one attack. Mm-hmm. You have one in five can be a standard bearer. Reroll rolls of one for deathless minions, so you're going to be rolling you're your reroll sixes. reroll ones of your death saves. Yeah, reroll your sixes. I actually really like that, ability. Yeah, it's enough
1: where you come across it every once in a while, and it converts, and you go, and it feels really good, yeah. but it's not so good of an ability where your opponent sits there and goes... Oh, that's just perfect. you have got to oh. be
0: kidding me, yeah, right? something <laughs> like you get a four up or something mm. like that, right? Okay, here's ability as riders of ruin. In your movement phase, if this unit has been three inches of an enemy unit, it can make a normal move. Nice. If it does so, it can pass across other models with a wounds characteristic of three or less. They do not have a mount, of course. In the same manner as a model that can fly, after this unit has made a normal move, roll a dice for each enemy unit that has any models passed across by any models in this unit on a two up. That unit suffers D three mortal wounds. It's a better version of the hex wraith. I don't know, know that it, I don't know one? that it's better. Well. The reason that I say I don't know that it's
1: better is you have to start within three inches of an enemy unit. And you make a normal move. A retreat move is a normal move within three inches. Mm-hmm. So is this allowing you to remain within three inches and do like some piling in around shenanigan things? Mm-hmm. Does the move count as a retreat move? Can you end
0: within three inches? So there's a lot of questions here. Yeah. It, can you just, like, jump to the other side mm-hmm. of a unit? If you're on this side, you jump to the back side. It, can you jump to the back side? Is it a retreat move? You know, mm-hmm. what, like, what is going on here? On a two-up, you get D3... As opposed to on a six, you get a mortal for Hex rate. Sure. Which is why I'm saying it's better. It's certainly more reliable. Right, but this is on a unit-by-unit basis. Correct.
1: When you have a big unit of Hex rates, you are more reliable than this. Correct, because you're rolling 10 dice, Mm. for example. You could be rolling 10 dice. Sure. I have a lot of questions around this rule and what it is supposed to be doing. Sure. Because... You want to talk about another one with a high level of specificity with a a unit with a wounds characteristic of three or less that does not have a mount. It might be a retreat move. It might not be. It's okay. This is one that I want to see an FAQ on. There's very clearly some intent that I'm not able to decipher out of which way they are aiming to go
0: okay then we have martial fury which is really good so add one of the damage yes. characteristic of this units lances, lances or blades if it made a charge move so plus one to damage now you up to damage two awesome and we know there are ways in this book to give them plus one to damage other other things you could do so they could be up to damage three or damage four whatever else it is and then the last one is the hunger they have the hunger like any vampires because they are vampires on horses yeah Vampires on ponies Vargheists. Vargheists are also a big winner. And I was going to say, I just haven't, or people who have talked about these guys have just undersold them to me. And I think that's doing them an injustice. I really do.
1: Right. So Vargheists can be Battle Line in a Legion of Knights. It's mm-hmm. 155 points for three of them. Now, granted. And that's 12 wounds. Right. It is 12 wounds. Their save is not great. It's a 5-up save. So they're a 12-inch move, 5-up save, bravery 10, 4 wounds. They fly. The unit champion gets plus 1 to their attacks characteristic. Okay, that out of the way... Mm-hmm. they have the vampire keyword in a cast list these are bananas mm-hmm. they are murders, fangs and talons one inch range three attacks threes by threes rend one damage two damage two kill a hero your damage three kill one of those middle size units your five wounds kill anything else plus two to run plus two to charge which is okay you want to get one of those first two brackets sure Pretty good. Here's the other thing that it does, especially in relationship to Castelight. If the unmodified hit roll for an attack made with its units a six, it scores two hits on the target instead of one. Make a wound and save roll for each hit. Exploding sixes again. Play that with the Belladama. Now sixes to hit are three hits instead of one. Pretty good. You know, and obviously you can play Belladama in any of them. Virkos, that's all right. You know, yeah. it's nothing to laugh at. Now, then this next one is really good in the Legion of Night ability, sure. the Death Descent. Instead of setting this unit up on the battlefield, you can set it up to one side and say it's circling high above as a reserve unit. If you do so at the end of your movement phase, you can set up this unit on the battlefield more than nine inches from any enemy units at the start of the fourth battle round, any models that are still in reserve are slain. So now we have just introduced a fourth bucket into Legion I was gonna Legion ask you that
0: Knight. was my exact question. First
1: bucket, right, is... I drop is, a unit on the board. On the board, bucket number one. Bucket number two. Is your gravesites, which everyone has access to the grave has access to these first two buckets. Bucket number three is your ageless cunning, which is off the board shenanigans, Legion of Night, In Legion of Night. Bucket number four is Vargus. That's amazing.
0: I put one unit down, mm-hmm. I could put three units off the board. Well, this one can be set up off the board regardless, right? Of the but of I'm units. just saying, if I put that one down, I still got three other options. You down. can
1: start your deployment by going. Vargrass off the board, Vargrass off the board, Vargrass off the board, and your opponent goes and? and then you go, don't worry, ten direwolves on the table, my guy. Don't spend that all in one place, and they go, okay. And this one's this one's in gravesite. Yeah, like, so this one's skeletons in gravesite, and they go. Ugh. And, like, and they put something else down, and you go, Vampire Lord and Zombie Dragon off the table. They're like, yeah, I knew that. You gave him the command trait that when he comes off the, like, when you put him in reserve, you can put him down everywhere. And you go, mm, well, you know, it's uh, it's what it is. And so now you have one model on the table, and you are, like, seven drops into this endeavor. That's hilarious. You know, Dan, if you're playing against that, obviously with your Night Haunt, you're thrilled, <laughs> yeah. because you can just... Set everything up also off the board. And then if you go first, you can just screen them out everywhere. Right. Can't fill the table. But not every army can cover everywhere all the time. Right. It's, it's not possible for everybody. I love what Vargais can do. Sure. They have the right keywords. They blend well with a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to talk about the Coven Throne in a little bit. Coven Throne pairs really well with Vargeist. This is a unit that I think a lot of people are sleeping on in terms of their effectiveness. So good, very nice.
0: We have a vampire lornod foot. Yes, we do. Very nice. It's six inch move, five wounds, three up save, ten bravery. Model can fly. Soulbound blades, one inch range, four attacks, three by threes minus one d three. Has the hunger, of course. Mm -hmm. Magic one cast, one unbind, and the command ability, and it can cast arcane bolt and mystic shield. So, okay. Uh, you can use this command ability at the combat phase. If you do so, pick one summonable unit within 12 inches of this model. Add one to the attacks characteristic of that unit's melee weapons until your next hero phase. It's important to distinguish
1: here it's summonable.
0: Yes, right? summonable. Your blood knights, your vampire lords on zombie dragons,
1: your heroes and stuff like that aren't going to gain that benefit.
0: No, but your guard are. Right. Or die or whatever you're going to put it on, skellies or whatever else. It's an important restriction to just be aware of,
1: mm-hmm. right? Especially if you were playing against it, because if I remember right, Vampire Lords used to be able to do that for anybody. Mm-hmm. and that was obviously really, really good. Yeah. It's not that way. You just have to learn to adapt with it. This is one where the Virkos Pack Alpha command trait really comes in handy because this is in the combat phase and the Pack Alpha is once per turn. So you can have a lot of spend command point wise coming from the Vampire Lord supporting a key summonable unit in an important place on the battlefield sure. over the course of the game. Bloodseeker Palanquin. Sure go ahead vampire on a big old blood throne movement 14 down to movement six four up save bravery 10 12 wounds she has the whale of the damned missile weapon uh, which is you don't use the attack sequence for an attack made with the whale of the damned you go to the scale table which is from 12 down to four inch range roll a dice for each enemy unit within range of this model's whale the damned on a four up this unit suffers d3 mortal wounds that unit suffers d3 mortal wounds all right yeah, it's all right. Cool, yeah. She has her sword, which is a one-inch range, four attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage d3, which is the weapon profile of literally every vampire in this book. Like, just straight regular vampires, sure. four attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage d3. So the good news is, is you don't have to learn a lot of profiles yeah. to play this army. <laughs> she has spectral claws and talons, which we is 12 attacks, down to fours, fives by fours, no rend, damage one, sixes, sixes to mortals. hit are mortals. Blah, blah, blah. Hooray. This unit flies... She has a fine vintage. If an enemy hero is slain within 9 inches of this model, she doesn't have to do the killing. Add one of the attacks characteristics of melee weapons used by friendly vampire keyword units wholly within 12 inches of this model until your next hero phase. Blood Knights, Vampire Lords and Zombie Dragons, Vordhai, Vargais, Her... Coven, Throne, Manfred, Neferata, all benefit from okay. this. She's a one-cast, one-unbind wizard. She has the Blood Siphon spell, which is very situational. If successfully cast, pick one enemy hero within 12 inches of the caster that's visible to them, and roll a dice. On a 1-2, to two, the target suffers one mortal wound. On a 3-4, to four, D3. On a 5-6, to
0: six, D6. I'd rather take that cast and bid on something else. Use it for something else.
1: Yeah, yeah. but... It's situational, as you said. The situation here that it pairs really well with is a fine vintage where you can get that plus one attack trigger in your hero phase with a spell. And so you can plan for that plus one attack bubble in your following combat phase. Okay. Which is useful, you know, it's not any made-up concept. Why don't you talk about the Mortis Engine, I'll talk about Covent Sure, the Mortis Engine is very similar to the Bloodseeker Palanquin, except that there is a Death Mage on the Mortis Engine. Yeah, the
0: profile's the same, Yeah. the
1: yep. movement's the same. Yep, exactly the same, Whale of the damn same. The Rider is different, though, because it's a Death Mage, and obviously not as good as a Vampire, so it's two attacks fours by threes rend one damage d3 has spectral claws and blades 12 down to four they do you know mortal wounds whale of the damned is identical the difference is you have the reliquary mm-hmm. once per battle in your hero phase you can say that this model will unleash the ener- energies of its reliquary if you do so roll a dice for each unit within 12 inch of this model and a two up that unit suffers d3 mortal wounds death units are not affected by this ability that's okay it used to do some healing as well to your own stuff i'm fine with it being you know a mono directional in inter- terms of ability sure and then bound necromancer add one to casting rolls for friendly soul blight lords, wizards whole within 12 inches of any friendly models of this ability it's kind of an expensive plus one to cast and rare damage dealing uh, mm-hmm. item
0: yeah it's what it's 200 and something yeah 200 points okay we'll just say this that there's another unit that you can get the plus one to cast that is not quite as beautiful as this one, but is much more functional for like the third of the cost. Yeah, it's... <laughs> we're going to talk about corpse cards in a minute. And you're getting plus one to cast on that from a cart, You know, At 80 like, points per. Yeah. It doesn't take up a behemoth roll. No. Very odd.
1: One of those rare units that we've talked about in this book that you look at and you go, I just don't see the home for it. Yeah. Like, unless you're trying to create some like weird turbo casting, like mm. wombo combo. Sure, but... It's a lot of points to do that. Just play Virkos yeah, and right. and take a corpse cart. Yep, absolutely. And mathematically, you
0: are further ahead. That makes what sense. are we doing here? Like, right. Coven Throne, Dan. Again, profile very similar in terms of the numbers, the move is the same, but we have several things that are different. The corp- I really love the Coven Throne. There's so many things they can do. you got the Predatory Bite, one attack, three by threes, D3 damage, no rend. The Stiletto, which is four attacks, three by threes, minus one, one damage. The Needle Sharp, Ponyards, which is tabled from eight to four, uh, three by threes, one, and then Spectral Claws and Blades. We know how that works, and that's 12 down to four. The Model Can Fly, and it has the Hunger, of course, because it is a vampire. Unlike Mortis Engine, this one is a vampire. We have Frightful Touch. We know about that. That's the Spectral Claws. And then we have Scrying Bull. This one's the first one that's kind of nice. So once per turn, you can reroll one hit or one wound roll for any attack made by this model or one save roll for an attack that targets this model. So, nice. Very nice. And, if that wasn't enough, we have the Coven Throne is a Wizard. One cast, one dispel. And Shudder is the Coven Thrown spell it has a casting value of 6. If successfully cast, pick one enemy unit within 12 inches of the caster that's visible to them and roll 3d6. If the roll is greater than the unit's bravery characteristic, 3d6, the average is 1 on 11. 3d6, I believe. Yeah, between 10 and 11. Which is more than almost every unit in the game. <laughs> this model can't be picked to be the target of any attacks made. Spells cast or abilities used by that unit until your next hero phase. Man, Brendan, that is just really good. Pretty okay. Yeah, you yeah. I mean? It means that you can get this model mixed in. You can get it right in front. And and there's nothing your opponent can do about it. No, yeah. it's there. And it's going to do what it's going to do, which is its command ability, which is very powerful. You can use this command ability at the start of your hero phase. If you do so, pick one vampire unit. Uh, when I say vampire, we're talking about Soulbite Gravelords. Right, it's important to delineate the vampire, army book. Vampire, I have said vampire versus vampire. Mm-hmm. Vampir is the book itself in Grave Gravelords, so let's just clarify that. <laughs> good luck, everybody. Uh, until your next hero phase, add one to hit rolls, one to ruin rolls, and one to save roll for attacks that target that unit. Wow, that's really good for a command point, Brendan.
1: It is, and units like the Blood Knights really take this ability very well. Units like Graveguard take this ability really well. Mm -hmm. Things that are going to be in the thick of it as your damage dealers take this really well. It's not keyworded to Vampire or Summonable, so this is something that pairs really well with either or in your armies. Yeah, very nice. I really like the cover. Which means now I have to buy one, because I have a Mortis Engine (laughs) and I have a Bloodseeker Palanquin. (laughs) But now I need a Coven Throne, so... Okay. Next, ah our friendly little Necromancer. Mm -hmm. Man, what a wonderful little model. Yeah, nothing's really changed on him. There is kind of a a small thing, right? The humble Necromancer is still a five-inch move, six-up save, bravery ten, five wounds... You know, his staff is one inch range, two attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage D3. And you know, that's where the change was. No, I'm kidding. He has the undead minions where before you allocate a wound or mortal wound as model it's within three inches of a summonable Soul Black Grave unit. On a three up, you can toss that off to that unit instead. That got better.
0: That used to be a four up, wasn't it? Before I think it was a four percent. Sure, whatever. But it doesn't matter. It's a three up now. That's what matters. So yeah, that's great. I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's going to make him last longer, and smart people are going to try to target him because he's got an unbelievable spell.
1: His spell is really good. (laughs) Spell is really good before. It's really good now. One cast, one unbind wizard, and you are only going to be really going after Van Hell's dance unless you took a second one to cast a lore of the death mage's spell. In which case. That's that one's job. Sure. Casting value of a 6. If successfully cast, pick one friendly soulbite grave ward summonable unit wholly within 18 inches of the caster. Pretty good range. Until your next hero phase, if that unit has fought only once in the combat phase, when it is your turn to pick a unit to fight, that unit can be picked to fight for a second time if it was in 3 inches of any enemy units. It's really good. Yeah, it's really. It's really useful. Good. If you are planning on taking dead walkers or skeletons or grave guard, or dire wolves, especially in Virkos, when pairing with Belladama's you should six inch pylon. Yeah, you Absolutely. you should plan on having a necromancer.
0: Yeah, agreed. So, hey, how about the dead guys?
1: Yeah, how about those dead guys? So, the Deadwalker zombies, four inch movement, save blank, bravery 10, one wound. They have one inch range, one attack apiece, fives by fives, no rend, damage one. There's no unit champion, it's just a bunch of zombies. Yep. The unit is eligible to fight in the combat phase if it is within six inches of any enemy units instead of three, and it can move an extra three inches when it piles in. So six inch okay. pile in from six inches away. All right. That's good. The newly dead, if the unmodified hit roll for an attack made by this unit is a 6, the attack inflicts one mortal wound on the target, and the attack sequence ends. In addition, at the end of the combat phase, you can roll a dice for each enemy model that was slain by wounds inflicted by this unit's attacks <laughs> in that phase. For each 2+, plus, you can add one deadwalker zombie <laughs> model to this unit.
0: Oh, that's fun.
1: So, one of the things here that is interesting is... The Deadwalkers, the zombies have gone from being kind of like a niche unit that people took like 180 of for like 600 points or whatever it was, and you just looked at your opponent and went, good luck. I don't have anything else that my army does. It's just going to be, can you kill 180 models over the course of five battle rounds? Deadwalker zombies have some offense to them. They do. They're one attack apiece base, which is fine. You can take them up to a unit of 40. Correct. Which which is fine. There's a battalion, and we really haven't talked battalions very much. There's a battalion that gives them an extra attack. The Vampire Lord can give them an extra attack. Coven Throne can give them an extra attack. But we got to be realistic about this. They are one-inch range, single models. Mm -hmm. To maintain that bubble, you have to keep all of these things relatively nearby.
0: I mean, and reasonably, you might get 12 to 15 of that, of 20 in combat. Sure. If you stack, but you're not going to get 40. You can get 40, but
1: you have to be making the charge roll, number one. And you are the one who has to be very disciplined about bubble management Mm -hmm. and where all of your pylons are going to end up. You can do it. You know, you can get all 160 attacks in on your opponent. But remember that one of those abilities is a command point. One of those is dependent on you killing a hero, one of those is purchasing a battalion, and yet you can pile and fight twice, and that's based on a spell. I'm not telling you it's impossible. I'm telling you that this big, big, spooky, scary, like, zombies are going to run the world thing, they're not going to run the world. They have a place. They they do do a thing now, but if you are planning your entire army around what two units of 40 zombies are going to do, Mm -hmm. I got bad news for you. Like... Mm -hmm you have no save. You have none. Your effective threat range, right, is a four inch move plus whatever you run. So roughly seven inches. And then you automatically get to fight from six inches out. So you're 13 inches away. You know, your maximum is 16 inches. If I'm more than 16 inches away from you, I don't even have to think about you. Mm -hmm. Not once. And that's, of course, you have to keep a corpse card up with it. You have to keep a vampire lord up with it. You have to dedicate a coven throne to that. You have to have purchased the battalion. It's a heck of a... You have, to, you have to have a necromancer. All of these you, things that we've that. listed, you're talking about 700 points of support investment on top of the rest of the costs in that battalion.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's a third of your army. And if that is for the, per- the sole purpose of making one unit of deadwalker zombies really, really good, but that's going to win you the game, then yeah. That makes sense. That's a fine investment. But most of the time, a unit of Deadwalker Zombies isn't going to win you the game on one offensive moment because you have no save. I don't think that that's something that people really appreciate about this unit. Any of my successful wound rolls basically kill models. Now, you get your death save, but it's not a six up and then a six up. It's my lance hit, four of them go through, that's 16 damage. You Uh, save three of
0: those, you know, maybe.
1: Okay, cool, right? 13 of you die. It's almost half your unit. You still have to take Battleshock, you know, and then the zombie dragon gets to fight. I caution people on over enthusiasm on this War Scroll. Sure, It does do a cool thing. Mm -hmm. It is better. And I am thrilled about that. As an opponent, be aware of it. But this unit is probably not going to break your game plan.
0: Corpse Cards, Dan? Yeah, I like them. I'm, I'm glad they got a place now. I'm glad they came back. Four-inch move, six, and they're both the same this way. Four-inch move, six wounds, six up save, ten bravery. They have a Corpse Goat. These are the same in both, too. Corpse Goat is two-inch range, two attacks, four by fours, one damage. The Lash is one-inch range, three attacks, four by fours, one damage, and then Rusty Blades on the wheels. One-inch range, two D6 attacks. attacks, five by fives, and one. So you're not taking this to hurt stuff. You just aren't. Typically, um, no. <laughs> but there are two versions of it. Each one, you either have an unholy lodestone or you have a balefire brazier. That's the difference here. If you have the lodestone, you're adding one to casting rolls for uh, vamper wizards, wholly within 12 inches of any friendly models. Or if you're taking the balefire, you're subtracting one from enemy wizards that are within 18 inches of... The corpse card. locus of undeath. On the one with the lodestone, you can add one to save rolls for attacks to target friendly zombies, so they would then have a six-up save, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, okay, they would. They would. Okay, if they're within twelve inches of this model. And the other option, if you take the bellfire brazier, is you subtract one from wound rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by enemies within nine inches of the corpse cart. There you go. They're very fragile, but they're only eighty points. Sure. And they do some good stuff. They do some cool things. Coolio things. All right. Which one is yours? I'll take the Terror Terrorgeist. Okay, I'll take Zombie Dragon. Move goes from 14 to 6. 14 wounds, 4 up save, 10 bravery. We have Pestilential Breath. We talked about that before. One attack, 3 to hit. Wound roll goes anywhere from 2, to, two down to 6. Minus 3 d6 damage. We have Snapping Maw. 3-inch <clears throat> range, 3 attacks, 4 by 3s. Minus 2 d6 damage. And then Claws. 2-inch range, anywhere from 7 down to 3. 4 by 3 is minus 1, 2 damage. It can, of course, fly. Pestilential Breath, we've talked about that before. Roll a dice before making the hit roll for the attack. If the roll is less than or equal to the number of models in the target unit, the attack scores a hit. So if, like you said, it's a unit of 6 or more, you're good. Mm-hmm. And so Terrorgeist
1: are exactly as you remember them from the Flesh Eater Court's book. Their movement 14 down to 6. Forp Save, Bravery 10, 14 Wounds. They have their Death Shriek, which is a 10-inch range, one attack. Uh, it's based on a table. You do d6, add the number on the table, subtract the enemy unit's bravery. That's the number of mortal wounds. Fanged Maw is three inch range, three attacks, fours by threes, rend two, damage d6. Sixes to hit do six mortal wounds and the attack sequence ends. Skeletal claws are two inch range, four attacks down to two, fours by threes, rend one, damage d3. And then when it dies, every unit within three inches of this model suffers d3 mortal wounds. And they're both battle line and Avangori, and that's neat. When
0: it dies, it just explodes. Nothing new there. Okay. So let's go over some of the cool skeleton thingies. We have White King. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the White King is four-inch move, five wounds, three up save, ten bravery, four attacks, one-inch range, three by threes minus one D3 damage. Good. If unmodified, hit roll for an attack made by the Tomb Blade is six, suffers one mortal wound in addition to anything else, and it has a command ability. Which, as written, does nothing. Yeah. This is one of
1: these ones where there's probably going to be an FAQ sure. where it clarifies something or there's something that we don't know because as written you use this command ability in your hero phase mm-hmm. you pick one friendly death rattle unit wholly within 12 inches model until the end of that phase you can reroll hit rolls of one
0: for attacks made with melee weapons by that unit In your hero phase is what it says in mm-hmm. the book now. Right. Which would be totally worthless. It doesn't. That doesn't do anything Yeah because there's, there's no making attacks. Right so. the only
1: one that makes you fight in the hero phase is the Command ability on Vordrai, but it's another hero. Yeah, it's very odd. So the White King on Skeletal Steed is a 12-inch move, free up, save, bravery 10, seven wounds. He's got the Tomb Lance, two-inch range, three attacks, threes by threes, rend one, damage d3. And he's got a horse, one-inch range, two attacks, fours by fours, no rend, damage one. He has a deathly charge. After he makes a charge move, you can pick one enemy unit within one inch of this model and roll a dice. On a two-up, that enemy unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. And he also has the useless command ability that doesn't do anything. Okay. They make Graveguard Battle Line, though. That's a pretty all right tax if you have to pick it out. Black knights <laughs> is the other unit that you look at and... It's very difficult to find a home for it. Units of five, 12-inch move, five up save, bravery 2 wounds. They have their lances, which are two-inch range, two attacks, fours by threes, no ren, damage one. Horses are one-inch range, two attacks, fours by fours, no ren, damage one. Champion is plus one attack to the lance. The Standard Bearer lets you re-roll ones of death saves. The horn blower treat any charge rolls of less than a six as being a six, which is good.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: After this unit makes a charge move, you can pick one enemy unit, within one inch of this unit, and roll a dice on a two-up that enemy unit suffers D3 mortal wounds. They're summonable, right? So they struggle with being between Dire Wolves mm-hmm. and Blood Knights. And they don't do anything in that middle range that is so good that warrants you picking them mm-hmm. over...
0: Either of the other ones Sure For 120 points Right And then we have Graveguard Who are One of the Winners here For (sighs) sure One of the big winners Yeah And they're four inch move One wound Five up save Ten bravery They have the white blade Which is one inch Two attacks Three by threes Minus one rend One damage Or the great blade Which is One inch Two attacks Three up Four up minus one, two damage though on that one. We have a champion, we have a standard bearer, we have a musician, blah blah blah. We have cursed weapons. If the unmodified wound roll for an attack made with this melee weapon is a six, target suffers one mortal wound in addition to normal damage. Awesome. Of course, if you put white blades instead of great blades on these guys, they get a four up save. I don't know why you would, because there's so many other ways to add one to their save roll in this book. I would rather take a weapon with two damage. There is so much you can do with this, Brendan. Adding attack Acts, adding to wounds, adding to hits. These guys could just be beat sticks. They Yes, they can be. Absolutely. Yes. With all the buffs that they can get out of this book. Ooh. This is one of the things where...
1: You can take the Coven Throne in Virkos and support a unit of Graveguard. And in doing so, you will take pack alpha. You get your command ability for free once per turn. Nice. I like it. Mm -hmm. So suddenly they become two attacks, twos by threes, rend one, damage two. And by being in Virkos... And, of course, a four-up save on top of that. By being in Vircos, they're wholly within nine inches of a Vircos Vampire. They now get plus one to wounds, so they'd be twos by twos. Rend one, damage two. If you have Belladama in the mix, sixes to hit do a mortal Wound in addition to counting as two hits. You have access to Necromancers who can take that double pylon. And so just like what we talked about with the zombies, where you are building a massive infrastructure to get mileage out of a single unit. Mm-hmm. All of it's got to go right in order for it to work. But when you think about what your expenditure versus your return is, it's going to cost less to turbocharge this Graveguard unit. And then if it loses its support pieces, on its own, it's going to still be able to service the enemy correctly.
0: And unlike your earlier example where those 16 wounds that actually get through, because they're almost all going to get through because there's no save, they all take models off. These guys that have a four-up save. They and, have a chance at stuff. Yeah, sure. and a lot more resilient than that other unit that's doing mortal wounds, uh, granted. Uh, but you've got a lot more damage You still carry. do mortal wounds. Yep. Now, of course, a unit of 30 is 420 points, Oof. where
1: a unit of 40 zombies is not that much, right? It's They're 230. Yeah. Which would you rather have? Would you right. rather have 30 of these guys or 80 zombies? Yeah. Right, And that's a question that you have to In this answer. play style, though, that's what you want to do
0: with your army. How mm-hmm. do you want to play it?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's part of it. What legion are you in? Playing these in a legion of blood, because they're death rattle, they aren't going to suffer the same as dead walkers. But, you know, do you want to take a bunch of units of zombies in legions of night, for instance, mm. and have them hold the line or pop out somewhere else and kind of funnel your enemy into different locations... And you want to be more mobile. You don't want to have one big unit that your opponent can know exactly where it's going. Instead, you'd rather have, like, five or six or seven different threat pieces that can come at your opponent from all angles. Oh, maybe then two units of 40 zombies is, is the right call for you. Or some skeletons that we'll talk about right now. Sure. Because... Skeletons also. You played them in this new book. I think people, just like if you've been concerned with people writing off Vargas, I think people are writing off skeletons in a way in which I don't think they really understand what this unit is doing. Okay. Skeletons come in units of 10, four inch move, five up save, bravery 10, one wound apiece. Ancient blade or spear, one-inch range, one attack, threes by fours, no rend, damage one. The champion's mace or halberd is one-inch range, two attacks, threes by threes, no rend, damage one. Good luck remembering where your champion is.
0: And by the way, just like you have mentioned, Brendan, (laughs) with the Blood Knights, they combined the spears or the lances with the blades. They did the same thing here. Yep, and that's neat. If you really liked one
1: of the versions over the other, you know, you don't have to worry about that the other version is is better, quote unquote, in terms of game effectiveness. It's what you want to model.
0: Mm-hmm. Or you can model both, and it's the same effect. It won't matter.
1: Exactly. Yep. So the standard bearer, one in every ten models can be a standard bearer. You reroll ones for your death saves. That's cool. They yes. lost their horn blower, which is a bummer, but such is life. The Skeleton Legion, when you pick this unit to fight, roll a dice for each model in this unit that was slain in that phase. On a four-up, you can return that model to this unit.
0: This means to me, as I'm reading that, in order to benefit from this, you need to be Die. damaged first, and then you retaliate and get models back. Correct. So if you attack first, you get nothing back. Correct. So it's your, to your benefit to always go second in terms of Because it is what you sequence. lost in this phase. Right. It is not what the unit
1: has lost altogether. It's what you have lost in that phase. Okay. Now this is something when you pair it with Van Hells dance, where you can pile in twice. You make two cracks at those rolls. It's pretty okay. Yeah. But rules is written. The models were slain, and those models that were slain count against your battle shock, mm-hmm. which is a bummer. However, this is now a unit that is base. That is a base five up save. Where before they were a six up, and if you had rend blank, they were a five up. If you had rend one, they had no save. This is much more durable skeletons are no longer a bucket of dice overwhelm your opponent by just rolling a volume of dice at your opponent and bringing them down because you rolled 140 dice.
0: These could be somebody that you park on an objective, for example, and just they just sit and, you're and going keep nowhere. You're, just you keep going back. You are
1: going nowhere.
0: I get a unit of 20, you kill 16, I'm going to get 8 back. And you know. they're 85 points per.
1: Yeah, per 10. So a unit of thirty only costs two hundred and forty-five points. That's really good cost. It's really good return on investment. Yeah, they play well in Legion of Night. They play really well in Legion of Blood. They play really well in Virkos. The only place where they don't make a ton of sense is Castellai and Avangori. But you have three sub factions that you know you feel pretty at home in, and then you have their uh, Warhammer Underworlds version. The Sepulchral Guard, 4-inch move, 6-up save, Bravery 10, 1 wound. They are an interesting unit. Before, they really didn't do very much. So it's 80 points for the 7 of them. If you don't have enough points for that okay. next unit of this skeletons, thing. you are 5 points short. This is not a bad choice. Okay. It's an interesting choice. It's not a bad choice. So this is a unit that can reroll the charges. The Sepulchral Warden has 2 wounds. Instead of one. And you can... And you can return D3 slain models to this unit. And it's uh, exploding sixes. Right. It's exploding sixes. And they have a bunch of attack profiles that are some version of fours and fours or fours and threes. One of them has rend one. One of them has damage two. It's just... Okay. Interesting unit. It's a pretty okay skeleton For unit 80 points. For 80 points. Okay. If you don't have... A points window that you really like and this is what you got it's not a bad choice okay it's not a great choice yeah. but it's not a bad one okay fair enough why don't you talk about direwolves sure I love these guys direwolves big winners they got new models they don't yeah. look super derpy anymore and they have an entire sub faction that's really likes them <laughs> and if you're willing to spend like $700 there's a list that you can put together <laughs> where you field 105 of them 95 or something like that and then you're going to summon you, you more. know 15 more of them and belladama and radikar and, and all It's that only 200 jazz. wounds come on it, piece <laughs> of cake 10 inch move five up save bravery 10 two wounds apiece they come in units of 10 they all have one attack profile one inch range two attacks fours by fours no rend damage one one in every 10 models can be a doom wolf which is interesting if you want to run a bigger unit. You add one of the attacks characters to the model's Rotting Fang, so he's three attacks, If they made a charge move, you add one to hit and wound roll attacks for them. So, you know, they are straight battle line. They're 135 points for 10, 10. which is nice because they were too few points when you could run them as just fives. Mm -hmm. Where they were like 60 points or something like Mm -hmm. that. And you just went, okay, cool. 180 points in battle line. Good to go. We are set. Here is Nagash. Here is Vordhai. Here is another caster. And there's nothing you can do about this. Obviously, they play really well around Virkos. They don't play great in Legion of Blood. Legion of Night is a good home for them. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about different threats from all different angles. They are summonable. They are dead walkers. So when they die, they can come back up through grave sites. They play well in Castellai because this is a fast screen unit that yes. can protect your blood knights and your vampire lords on zombie dragons without having to sacrifice any of the speed involved in the equation yes i guess technically they'd play fine in avangory because they can be screens for the same reason but again you're playing avangory for a very specific reason Sure. I feel so bad because I don't I don't have anything really good to say about, about Avengori. I like I have great things to say about the other four. Mm-hmm. Like just about everything that we talked
0: about I can say it plays well in three of them. So my reaction my initial reaction I talked about was this looks like the five terror Geist in Flesh Eater Course. course. So, like, if you want to play five of those big models, play Flesh Eater Course because there's benefits you can really get. I mean, they they work there; they're Mm -hmm. designed to work. Those kind of models there. Now, the thing you can do is you can play across both. Sure. And all you have to do is
1: buy a Vingorian Lord or Mm Lalkavai, or swap out your Abhorrent Ghoul King and put a Vampire Lord on the Zombie Dragon. Sure. And you're good to go. You know, it's nice that you can swap between. Yeah. Both armies with almost no cost. Sure. I mean, it's That's... it's like having a 40K and an Age of Sigmar army because you play demons. Right. right? You know, it's, That's
0: true. That's very true.
1: It's nice. It's cost saving. Like you're into something very specifically aesthetic wise. It kills me, right? Because I want to be able to say, oh, this works. This is cool. You can look at it from this perspective because like, you know, people have said Legion of Blood isn't very good. Sure. You, people used to say Zangor weren't very good because the rest of the book was fantastic. <laughs> Like, we can look at it and see the merits it has in it. Okay. The Legion of Night has its own merits, separate from Legion of Blood. Virkos has its own merits, separate from the other ones. Castellai has its own merits, separate from the other ones. And then you go to Avangori and you go,
0: sorry, boys, <laughs> <laughs> it's not working. Yeah, so Dan, okay. you feel very strongly about Felbats. I do, only because they have just been so, like, people are just writing them off, and I'm going, okay, I want people to think about this, and think about what they can do. You talked about Wolves being a fast-moving screening unit. Mm-hmm. So you get for 75 points here, Brendan, which is nothing really, when you talk about, you know, games of Sigmar, you can get three of these guys moving 14 inches, which is huge. That's a huge move. And if they run, they're going to average 17 inches. But if you put them within one inch of each other, you literally have an 8-inch wall that you had just made. Mm -hmm. You put them 3 or four, three and a half, four inches in front of somebody, you have just kept them from moving. Literally, you have blocked them in. Because to try to move around that and towards a target or towards an objective, it's just going to be miserable for them and if I can do that for 75 points I'm gonna do that I mean so I think they have a place You can get two units of them for the same price. You can get 10 wolves, you know, a couple less. But again, you're getting that extra four inches of move. And if the goal of the wolves, for example, is a fast screen, fell bats can be a fast screen. They can also be like you've talked about. You can drop them in somewhere. Three of these guys dropping in somewhere, moving 14 inches. Boy, they can grab an objective or they can threaten something else or whatever else it is. And it's not 10 models. That's a big difference, too. Three models versus 10. That's a huge thing. But it's nine wounds versus 10 wounds. Right. Which... Um, Or... And roughly 20 wounds, 18 wounds versus 20 wounds in in the other instance. So from that perspective, it's close. But I think they have a place. And I think it depends on what you want to do, how you want to play your game. If screens are important to you, I think they're worth considering at least. So I agree with you, but for a different reason. Okay. I agree that they do have value. Okay. And I
1: agree that at the 75 points level, and this is why I didn't want to talk about it in the sandwich shop line. Yeah, sure, so sure, sure. They are summonable, so they can come up through gravesites. Now, you can't just drop them down in Legion of Night like Varghize, which would have been a really cool rule to have on here, and I think would have made sense. But they're not Death Rattle, they're not Dead Walkers, so they don't get the plus one save in, in the first turn in Legion of Night. And with Castellai, they have the speed to keep up with it. I think the rule that really shines through on them okay, is. Their single-minded ferocity. So we haven't talked about the profile. So they're 14-inch move, 6-up save, bravery 10, 3 wounds. Their fangs are 1-inch range, 3 attacks, 4s by 4s, no rend, damage 1, and can fly. Mm-hmm. Cool. There is nothing there.
0: Right. Like, that is they're just... Not, they're not designed to hurt anything.
1: Right. They truly are not. Single-minded ferocity. This unit can retreat and still charge later in the same turn. Your opponent, you know, charged into them... Or you tagged a unit in your turn and, you know, you pinned them on the side and you kept them where you wanted to keep them. But you know, let's say you won the double turn. You retreat them out and you pin the units that you know you aren't going to fight and aren't going to kill them. And then that opens you up to get some more spacing on the other units. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're also a good screen. You know, that is a good reason to have them. Yes, they are also very fast
0: but they're good for pinning and they're so mobile. Me can pin one unit, retreat and then pin another unit the next turn. Yes. Yeah. Get those edges. Go for those edges. You,
1: you can sure. go get a unit that's way over there. They're summonable. They are subject to endless legion, right? So Right. Right? If you want to start rolling for that early and you've got that kind of weird point set, when they come back, they come back as 2 instead of, you know, like a half unit rounding up of 3 is 2. It's the it's, I think they have value It's tough because when you do the comparison shopping with direwolves, direwolves are just so good. They are. Agreed. Right? It is the Zangor problem. Zangor used to suffer because horrors were, like, bonkers. Mm -hmm. They still are quite good, right? You know, you had all of these other things in the Zinch book that were incredible. And Zangor were an 8 or a 9. It's just the the thing that they were being compared to was a 10 or 11. uh, Yeah, right. And, of course, when you're talking in that context, it's really difficult. But... It's important to remember that these are in that half cost increment of what Direwolves are. Sure. So you can't just split the unit up and pay, you know, 67 and a half points for right. a unit of Direwolves, but you can pay 75 for a unit of Fellbats. Right. Now you might be better served to buy a command point and and an endless spell in that particular bracket. But if you don't think that that's necessary, what other choices do you have point-wise other than just kind of restructuring the way that mm-hmm. it all comes together? So in terms of just that, I think it does have value. And so to close it out, we have four battalions to talk about. Yeah, And obviously this is one of the big rumors in and around 3.0 is what is going to happen to battalions. We're going to operate under the assumption that you can still take them. So we're still going to talk about them because I think they're fun and I think they're exciting. And even if you can only use them for narrative purposes, so be it. And if you were going to play games for this last month, you probably want to know what battalions are good and you can use. So,
0: Dan, why don't you
1: pick out the first two?
0: Okay, I'll pick uh, Felwing Flock. That would make Mm -hmm. sense based on what I like. And then I'll pick out the uh, Death Stench. We'll pick out those two. So why don't you talk about Red Banqueteers first?
1: So the Red Banqueteers are two plus Vampire Lords, one Bloodseeker Palanquin or one
0: Coven Throne and Hmm. two plus Blood Knights units. Okay. Those all sound like things you would take. So it's not like there's something here you would find hard to fit. Right.
1: Particularly in Castellai or Legion of Blood this is Mm -hmm. going to be something that you want. In Castellai you're just going to take more Blood Knights. In Legion of Blood you're going to surround them with more skeletons. Sure. Things like that. So the battalion what it does is in your hero phase you can heal up to D3 wounds allocated to each unit in this battalion. Great. Combine that with the hunger you're looking at 3D3 healing across all of the battle rounds. Wow. That makes them pretty
0: tough. For sure.
1: Respectable. How about that?
0: Yeah. So, Felwing Flock. Mm-hmm. This is two to three vargeis and two to three Felbats. There we go. And the benefit is add one to hit rolls for attacks made with melee weapons by units in this battalion if those units made a charge move in the same turn. Now, that really is not... It's it, for the vargeis. It's for the vargeis. The, the Felbats don't really care. They have a whole different purpose. For, for the vargeis. Yes. Yes, please. again absolutely. Considering all the other things we've talked about. Yeah, here you go. And you've talked about maybe taking two or three units of those guys. Why not?
1: And this fits that scope perfectly, right? Yeah, you it's know, perfect. You go to twos by threes on the Vargeis. This is a battalion that works very well in Castelline and Legion of Knights. Night. So, you know. Yeah, the, that's what I was thinking. You can play it in the other ones as well, but pairing of what you want and what it does makes perfect sense. Those are pretty good.
0: Okay, how about our Death March? Why don't you talk about those? Because they have graveguard and skeletons. Yes.
1: So, on the surface, you look at Death March of one White King, one to three Black Knight units, one to three Graveguard units, and two plus Death Rattle skeleton units. And you go,
0: that's, that's a lot of tax.
1: Paying a lot of points for things I'm not thrilled about yet. Yeah. Now, granted, you can take the White King as your general, and your Graveguard becomes your battle line. And not that you really need it taking two units of Death Rattle, but it's there. The ability that you gain is at the start of your movement phase, you can pick up to three different friendly units in this battalion that are wholly within 12 inches of this battalion's White King. If you do so, add three to the move characteristics of each of those units in that phase, they can still either run or charge. That's really quite good. It's not super useful on Black Knights, but the plus three to move on the Graveguard and the Death Rattle Skeletons is quite useful because it's nearly mm-hmm. effectively doubling their movement range, uh, so you don't have to do as much movement planning as you did before.
0: Then then the last battalion Dan Death Stench. Here we go. So the next one we have, the last one is Death Stench Drove. And this is one to two corpse cards, two Dire Wolves, and two Deadwalker Zombies. Again, like that's kind of a weird eclectic combination, but the benefit is to add one attack characteristics of melee weapons used by this unit. And units in this battalion, if they're wholly within 12 inches of any corpse carts. So, Brenda, to your point earlier with the zombies, hmm. if you can add an attack or two attacks to them, which you can. Here you go. You're already up to two here. There's so many ways in this book that you could add another one. Your zombies are up to three attacks. The other thing that's nice here is you get two units of direwolves. Hmm. So you're probably going to be taking at least one, maybe two of those anyway for screens. And why can't you use one of those to screen the zombies even? You know, why not? So before somebody hits you, you can absorb that and then you get in. Sure. You know? Yeah, uh, that's anyway. an option. Yeah, so anyway, that's what we got for Battalions. Yeah, so overall thoughts on the book, Dan? I love it. As most people would have expected me to say, I just love The flexibility. And as I said at the beginning, I love the fact that there are so many different ways to play this book, Brendan, that still keep you competitive on the table. You have so many options and you can do just about anything you want. There's so many cool, crazy things you can do. Like we talked about for every unit you put on the table, you can put two or three off the table. That's Mm. just insane to think about. I would love to see somebody do that. It would be really cool to watch their opponent as they're doing it and just stand there quietly and see what they're reaction is to that the first time it happens right and i love the fact for me that this is going to be reality at some point that i actually have monsters that are going to be punchy and they're going to be survivable they're going to be resilient big models that are really doing some work it makes me feel really good to know they're here
1: yeah so a couple of things that we know about 3.0 right is that heroes get to do more heroic things as the article said Mm -hmm. and monsters get to be more more monstrous yeah Well, ta-da, we talked about a bunch of hero monsters, Yep. we talked about a bunch of monsters, we talked about just a bunch of straight heroes, that's pretty cool. We know that there's going to be more command points available, especially Mm -hmm. if you go second. We know that if your general's alive, you're going to be getting another command point instead of just the one, there is an ability to roll four more command points with one of your heroes. Now, you get a better roll if your general is dead a lot of these things in these lists are predicated on spending command points. Mm-hmm. Well, if I've got, you know, three of them a turn, I'm going to feel differently about it. And then in a game where I only get one a turn. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you don't necessarily have to worry about battle shocking if you have more command points to keep in your pockets. Mm-hmm. I know you had a pretty high level of expectation for the book coming in because you were really excited. Yeah. Like, did this- It met my expectations okay. for sure
0: And it was already high so I can't say it exceeded it It vindicated what I was hoping a lot of this was going to be And for somebody who's building this army brand new i don't have any of the you know that's the other thing with a lot of people that see this and the things that are in it have a lot of baggage as it were because they you know like yourself you have a history with units in this Mm -hmm. and armies here i have none of that history so for me this is all like new toys you know going in the toy store for the first time and that's why it's so exciting for me because i'm seeing a lot of things that i never will see in my Nighthawk army it's a totally different army even though it's death. And so that's what's, I think, exciting for me as well. Being able to play with monstrous units, have the type of magic that I don't have now. The fact that it has all the movement shenanigans that it has is really cool because then I'm comfortable with that already. That's one thing I don't need to work on because I've gotten pretty decent at that with my night hunt, and I really enjoy that aspect of them. That again is something else that's great as I'm looking through this book. I think too, like some of the units we talked about that people are disparaging, I think part of that is just because they have a history. And they're like, oh, but I don't have that history again. So I can look at something like, you know, fell bats and and have a different perspective on what they could do or the value they might bring. So those are all my thoughts.
1: I think some of that baggage also comes from or maybe the criticism of it. Because the book is not perfect, right? Oh, no. The the criticism comes from the communities that are always looking for something that is going to win tournaments. Oh, yeah. How do you win tournaments with this book? Well, I'm going to tell you it's going to be difficult. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, flatly. You need missions and matchups. But from my perspective, that's what I want all these books to look like. I don't want to pick up a book like Seraphon and you go, I'll just take these six units... Like, three times, and that's my list, and there's nothing anybody can do about that. Mm -hmm. I don't like that very much. You look at some of the things in, you know, Zinch and Caradon Overlords, you just go, I'm just going to shoot my opponent off the table. And Mm -hmm. there's nothing. I'm going to do it from a range in which they can do nothing about it. Sure. Well, okay, I guess. Uh, But if
0: only 33% of my units are on the board, that's going to pose a problem for you now.
1: Somebody who's shooting me off the board. It's an option. The more we talk about Legion of Night, the more I want to go home and just write some lists (laughs) and like fake deploy against myself and, and see what it looks like and see how I feel as I'm trying to play both halves of a game because I'm an insane person. One of the things I really like about this book is you can write one list and play it in three of the sub-factions, mm. Knight, mm-hmm. Blood, and Virkos, and get three really different playstyles out of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, I'm not saying that, you know, oh, what about castline and what about Avangori? You are building specific lists for Castelai and Avangori, typically. Mm-hmm. Between the two of them, you might be able to do some flip-flopping, but for the most part, in Castelai, it is going to be its own thing, and and in Avangori, it's going to be its own thing. But those first three, you can just write your one list, Play it the three different ways and see what you like the most and then take Um. that to an event. If you are worried about having to deal with a lot of different choices, if you build kind of more towards a balanced concept of, you know, some skeletons, some dead walkers, some vampires, things like that, that pretty reliably fits across all three of them Mm -hmm.
0: so and to your point i think that's a good one that it depends who you are Uh, and as we think about our listeners and who they are they range everywhere you know we got people who are relatively new to the hobby people who have been playing for a while but aren't super competitive players are really happy if they end up three and two and then we've got that that group of people that are always looking for you know to make it to the podium looking to go four one five oh so each one of them again to your point is they'll see this book differently yeah that's great that's great yes All good stuff, but I'm very excited about the book and to start thinking about what I want to build and what I want to paint. Great stuff, man. Terrific. Great stuff. All right. Well, thank you for your patience, listeners. We've been at this for quite a while, as (laughs) was pointed out to us by our usual spectator here in the room. So (laughs) with that, we are going to move on to the last couple sections of our... Homestretch, guys. Yes, scriptorium time.
1: Et cetera, et cetera,
0: et cetera. Brendan, right into new releases, we have a few things. First of all, we have the Dark Imperium Trilogy by Guy Haley. It is in hardback now, and that includes Godblight, which is the third book. And so, if you're not doing the paperback thing, it is a great series. It is very much about current 40k lore, Primaris, Gilliman, all that stuff, excellent. Gotrek, and Felix, the sixth omnibus man. That's like insane when you think about it. That's like almost 20 books. That's a lot of books. That's dude. a lot of stories so maybe you just want to start with number one and see if you like it or get the very first book if you like that you got plenty of reading ahead and then this week there are five e-shorts so short stories i think they're like four dollars a piece or something Uh, and they're all age of sigmar and a lot most of them have to do with some new releases that have come out and uh up with Cragnos and that kind of thing so that's all the new stuff over at black library brendan it your up for read watches and other stuff's yeah, so in terms of
1: listens, or I guess it's technically reading, I finished *The Lost and the Damned*, so I'm on to the first wall. It was okay. I'm there, gonna
0: have to agree with you. It was my le- I, as much as I enjoyed all the books, Gab. It was the least favorite.
1: It was okay. Yeah, it was okay. I didn't find myself in any time like the first one where I was like, "Oh, I know I got to go into work," but like. I really want to hear, like, what the next couple of minutes are here. It was always just kind of like, okay, here's an end of a thought, and okay. you just go into it. Yeah. So I started the first wall. I think I'm, like, an hour and a half into that one. Okay. Yeah, we'll see, right? And then in terms of listens, I have finished the Roman Emperor's
0: Yes. Yes.
1: Uh, Totalis Rancium of the Emperors of the West, and they are in the sudden death round, which is... Like, where they have them all next to each other, and they talk <laughs> about funny. them, and who's the most interesting, and it's not as interesting as I thought it was going to be. You know, everyone in the Coliseum, as it were, it's basically them just, like, short recapping those episodes, and picking sure. who they like the most, and I'll, I'll finish it, and then, you know, we'll move on to the Emperors of the East, and, you know, then we'll be back to even on that part of it. Okay. But, yeah. And then, I don't think I've watched anything other than basketball.
0: okay. uh, well,
1: There's been a lot of it. Because my eyeballs can only look at so many things at the same time. That's right. But while I'm looking at something, I can listen to something else and be reading a third thing and retain none of it. So, (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Dan? So,
0: I am listening to Get Slayer, which is the third Go Trek book in the Mortal Realms. If you are a KO player, you have to read this book. It's not like it's an option or listen to this book. You have to. It is the most KO I have ever read in a book or listen to in a book because i'm listening to it and gotrek just has this interesting relationship with Karajan overlords with the dwarden because you know they all think he's a fire slayer but he hates it when they he, they call him that and he's kind of gotten this buddy buddy relationship with one of the dwarden kings it's just it's great but it's it's gets so there's a lot of mushrooms and all kinds of weird stuff in swamps and things like that but interesting It's very interesting. And you kind of get this weird, very resentful feeling about this daughter of Cain assassin who's with him. And the one thing I don't like about it is her role in this whole story has been much more subtle before now. Hmm. All of a sudden now, it is so obvious that her only role is to manipulate Gotrek. I mean, it's it's just like out there, and so it's kind of become annoying because everything she does, you kind of know what she's doing, and so there's no kind of anticipation as the story moves forward. So that was a little bit disappointing, but again, otherwise, it's typical Go Trek, KO all over the place, and or if you're gets player, you'd actually would love this too. So, I have. Godblight and Double Eagle. So the third uh, Dark Imperium book. And Double Eagle is a book long ago by Dan Abnett, which is about the air war in the 41st millennium. An Air Force unit or units that were fighting chaos on some whatever world. I put both of those in my queue and then getting ready, ready for my Circle City Drive. Once I hit the road right away, boom, the audiobook's going to go off. <laughs> Before I know it, I'll be in Indianapolis. There you go. <laughs> those are queued up. They're, they're waiting for the next six weeks i did finish mortis wow, man it is only six weeks away <laughs> i know i finished mortis finally 550 pages of book. book oh my gosh i was hoping i would finish before today and cindy was like how long have you been reading that book i think i got through like 150 pages just this last four or five days i was just so into it it started out kind of slow but man brendan it is full it's kind of like you're gonna find with saturnine it is full of stuff I mean, I get this feeling like this feels like, you know, Empire Strikes Back, that movie. It has that kind of an ending to it that, you know, something else is happening. But you just think like the good guys just don't have a chance. You know, it just very uh, it's inevitable that there's that inevitability. But one of the cool things, the mechanics like at the end of every chapter, he goes miles to the great wall. 172 or 172 kilometers to the wall 150 kilometers to the wall So you know how close Mortis is getting And it's just like this grind And it's just, like you said, that inevitability They just keep getting closer And it's really cool There is Nurgle in this thing There is huge Emperor's Children Think of the Astronomicon But a Emperor's Children's Slanesh version of it Okay Really weird, but so cool The Dark Angels appear and do some stuff, which is really cool. And then at the end of the book, there's this twist with the dark angels. So I'm going, no, it cannot be him. Like, just, they didn't say who it was, but I'm pretty sure I know who this guy is. The Ordo Sinister came out. Now, if you are aware of those guys, they are a Titan Legion that are anti-Psyker. They basically, they fuel their Titans with psychers. They have them in these little cryogenic tubes in the back of the, the Titan. And so when they burn one out, they kind of eject it out the back. <laughs> And they load another one in. But their weapons literally create these gaps in the warp. So Mortis is basically, Brenda, the best way to describe it would be a Titan Legion of Demon Engines. Okay. This guy is... This. There's only like one or two of these guys because there's not many of the Order of Sinister. And they are just pumping, you know, the, the fire weapon, it'll hit one of these guys and they they're, they just fall apart. And so it's kind of cool. You never see them anywhere else. There's a new legion of Titans. They're, oh, you're going to say there's a new legion of Space Marines. You're like, no. damn, why didn't we open with this? <laughs> there, there was a battle on a planet called Beta Garmin mm-hmm. and most of several of the loyalists titan legion just got destroyed there were some stragglers and survivors and stuff so what they did was the head of the adeptus titanicus took these survivors and he christened them a new legion so that they would fight together and still have a place and it was it was kind of cool but mortis just seems unstoppable it's incredible what goes on so excellent book Um, started slow but man once you got going And then the last thing was Love, Death, and Robots. I watched three and four. I'm trying to, like I said, pace myself one a week. And episode four was called Snow in the Desert. And it was so good. (laughs) Really good. It was like a couple of the others in the first season. Episode three was kind of funny. And I am not sure what I am going to read next now that I'm done with Mortis. I think I'm going to go back to Genevieve. I am so motivated because we've done the Soul Blight book, but not sure. What I'm gonna read next? So D B D. Yep. There we go. That is scriptorium, and we are moving on to this or that. I'm gonna go first this time. Okay, right? that okay. works for me. Manfred or Vortri? You can only take one or the other.
1: Well, I think Manfred. As much as I hate to say it, because I hate Manfred, this war scroll is so good. <laughs> It pains me that I sit there and I go, all right, I guess we're doing this. I think Vordai is very unsubtle. It's a freight train coming downhill with the brakes that don't work.
0: Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) right.
1: I quite like Manfred. Granted, you can remove him from most situations, but it rewards a really high level of play to be able to kind of fake your opponent out into different places, pick the fights that you want to fight and Mm -hmm. make your opponent sit there and go, okay. fine because now all of a sudden this unit's out of position and Mm -hmm. yeah or one of the real sneaky things you can do with him is pin him into a unit opponent doesn't want to retreat with the unit that's you know they have in combat with him and then at the start of the combat phase you go yoink and you set him down somewhere else and they just go that's right i could have moved now i can't do anything (laughs) okay so there we go kritza or Anika? i mean if i can get Sixteen Kritzas. The the answer is Kritza. <laughs> of
0: course, we're going to assume you can't. Right. The, I quite like
1: Lady Annika. She reminds me a lot of the mask
0: uh-huh. in
1: Slanesh. Yeah, somebody else had said and that. And I got a lot of versatility about out of a character like that who has kind of a very limited wound count and serves a very like small role. But that role, if you leave it ignored, has
0: a relatively high reward okay. or high outcome sure. from it okay Okay. this next one I'm not asking like I know who you're going to say you want to win but I'm, I want objectively as a basketball fan I want you to tell me who you think is going to win okay. between the Nets and the Bucks the Bucks okay alright that's who you think is going to win not who you like it right who do you really think is going to win if you were putting I, money on it lots of money lots of money I don't like either team if I'm putting lots of money you know, on you it you have to choose
1: and you're putting lots of money on one team So I think that this series is going to be exciting and close. And I think both teams are equally capable of winning this. And the, you think who is going to win? <laughs> it, and I would like to explain from a basketball X's and O's perspective yes. that when you look at these two teams, the Bucks had the highest net offensive rating in the NBA over the course of the 72-game season that was played. Okay. Of roughly 120 points per game. And they had one of the best defensive ratings. It wasn't the best, but it was one of the, one of the I want to say it was top 10 okay. and might have been approaching top five. The Nets, if their players had all played together, would have had the highest offensive rating in the NBA. Okay. Cool. That They had one of the worst defensive ratings of, of the teams in the playoffs. Okay. The thing is, is that the Bucks' offensive net rating is likely to not be adjusted per... The Nets defensive rating, but okay. the Nets offensive rating is likely to be adjusted per the Bucks defensive rating. Okay. And when you make those adjustments together, you have two teams that are going to score about 120 points every game. Sure.
0: Okay. So which mathematically tells you? You look at it and you go, "Well, this is the same." So who? So who is? Who does Brendan think is going to win? Not want to win. I think the Get back to the question. I think okay. the Bucks are going to win. You think the Bucks are going to you? Okay. Gotcha. Moving on from that. Okay. So you're you're gonna go out in the river and cruise around. Okay. Up and down, all over the place around here. Would you rather have a pontoon or a motorboat? Man, around here. Yeah, on the river here and out. It's like the, a little motorboat. Okay.
1: Nothing too special. Okay. A little motorboat. All right. Yeah.
0: Now, you're gonna go to the beach.
1: Okay. This is a different question. Yes. Or, okay. And it's a multi part question. I was very to, concerned.
0: Are you going to sit in the sun, or are you going to sit on an umbrella in the shade?
1: Sit in the shade. For the listeners, I am very pale. Me and the sun do not get along very
0: well. And I'm really not much of a beach fan to begin with. Sure. So, yeah, I know we went down to the peninsula in Florida years ago. We went on a trip and they had these huge umbrellas. I'm a shade person too. I just, I'm not a you know sun sun baby i don't get out there and man only time i would get out from under that shade was i would run to the water and swim for about five or ten minutes with the waves and whatever animals were floating around because we could see there were fish and stuff in the water and that was really great and then i would run back to get under the, under the shade dry myself off a little bit and just sit in the shade again i think i spent like three seconds out of the sun it was hilarious uh-huh. uh i uh, just not working for me
1: that's good i have a hot weather question as well in, okay in so section. it is your turn anyway all right right so we'll start with the the regular boring stuff
0: yeah of course
1: aos 3.0 dan you and i have not necessarily been trusting the supply chain of games workshop here yeah are you going to pre-order or wait in line day of to get your stuff now granted it is a
0: multi-week pre-order yes that's correct if it was so the answer is if it was one week i would wait okay because it's two weeks i will pre-order okay yes i think that'll work Okay. What was your favorite lineage? I like Virdros, Virkos. Virkos, yeah. I love the animal one. I really like that. Because I like the characters so much. Okay. I really like what they've done. So, and I'm going to take the liberty here of deciding
1: who's in charge of each faction. I get that Belladama is technically in charge of Mm -hmm. Virkos, but I think we know Radikar is in charge. Of Radikar, Vordhai, and Laukavai, the three faction leaders of the not more tart variety preferences favorites thoughts concerns Comments, I like vortry
0: Vordai, yeah. I, I like, I like him, man. He just and see here again is this person who's not had ever a huge giant. He's you know, just a wrecking ball, sigmarite hammer that mm. he could just beat somebody over. I've never had that before, so I'm kind of excited to play him and paint him and get him on a table and see what he can really do, buffed up. It would be really a fun. lot. He can I, do a lot, yeah. and it would be fun to see that actually happen rather than. Ooh, I just did five mortal wounds. Cool. And you're like, (laughs) high upside. (laughs) Oh, I get to fight in the charge phase. (laughs) I killed four models this turn instead of two. Two ogres. There's only ten left. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that'll be fun. That's why I think 4-Drive for me.
1: Okay, kind of building off of some of these leading questions here. Uh-huh. Bruce City Brawl 3.1, yeah, 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 uh, which yeah. I have, which has been suggested to me to name it Bruce City Brawl 3.1415926. I saw uh, that.
0: I saw uh, that from Ty, I think, or somebody.
1: Are you going to play your Night Haunt at 25 or whatever the equivalent of 2,500 points is? Yes. Or are you going to? Just you are so jacked up for Soul Blight. You know you have three months to do it. Are you gonna figure out how to get twenty five hundred
0: points of Soul Blight painted together? For I am not gonna put myself under that kind of pressure. I just refuse to do that. Mm the soonest you will see that soul makes blight one of us. you you will see dan soul blight at the earliest you will see them at ragnarok at the earliest okay you may not see them until next spring at bruce city when it's in next spring if that's when well i'm going to try and keep it in the fall in the fall okay so it'll be whatever comes up in the spring other than adepticon mm. okay so you won't see it until then i mean an extra 500 points for me that's another 3 units you already of- have the heroes done
1: like you'll yeah. we'll just
0: or I could, you know, I could throw in my uh, Heritans then. I could throw in a whole crap pot of small... You uh, run Ladio and Raikonor or... I could. Kurtos. And Raikonor will fit into the, the procession I'm going to try. Mm-hmm. Or I could bring in a whole bunch of, you know, three more 20 units of... Chain rest. why not? Just mess with people like that. I think it'd be great and lots of fun, too. So many so. Chain rests. <laughs> I already got 70. Why not paint another 60? It's cool. I'm fine with that. So, yeah, that's what I'll do. Okay,
1: for sure so last question Mm -hmm. at time of recording it is one of those really extra gross hot weekends that Mm. seem to pop up here it was like 95 yesterday and it's like 91 today and
0: it's it's warm I'm
1: going to give you two of Milwaukee's great extremes Mm. Mm -hmm. you have to do something outside you have to it's non-optional and I can't say like you have to do yard work or something out here but you have to do something outside yes At 2 p.m., there's not a cloud in the sky, there's no wind, and you know, it's one of those brutal hot, like 95 high humidity days in the city. Or, yes, also another thing where you don't have to do something else, where you have to do something outside, but where you live, you don't necessarily have that, like shoveling or something like that. It's like zero Mm -hmm. with a negative 20 wind chill, yeah, yeah, snow is whipping around. Mm. And it is just pitch black dead of
0: winter. So I can say this from my homeowner experience. So I like neither of those. Yeah, I don't either. (laughs) I, I would prefer neither one. I agree. I would much prefer to be plowing my driveway when it was zero degrees, everything's blowing, but I got, you know, I got my ski mittens on, I got freaking balaclava on, I can barely see wind snapping and blowing, but I got three layers of stuff and three layers of pants and boots and everything else. I would rather be doing that than outside doing yard work with all I want to wear is like a pair of boxers. It's so freaking hot, you know, but I can't do that. I just can't stand... you can, but the police typically don't. uh. (laughs) The heat would just do me in. I just... Yeah, I'd stay hydrated and stuff, but I just do not like being in really, really warm places. I don't know what it is, but no. I would much prefer the cold to the hot if I had to choose. Okay. Well, those are my five. Okay. So let's move on to clothes where we're going to talk a little bit about planning for Mm 3.0. There is something going on around here. Something you may not even know about. Brendan, 76 coming up. Let's get that out of the way. We're going to have that on June 20th is our plan anyway Mm -hmm. of recording Kragnos because we need to cover Kragnos just like we needed to cover Techless. We don't want to leave those loose things hanging out there. So we're going to talk Kragnos on that day. Probably relatively short show because there's some stuff in there, but it's not packed. It'll be a nice break to this marathon that you had to suffer through.
1: (laughs) Yes. As as Cindy cheers at the the idea of a not five hour episode. And I've got to edit this son
0: of a gun. So... (laughs) He's retired. It's fine. Yeah, he's got a week. If I had to do it, it might be a little while before we hear this (laughs) one. We know that 3.0 is going to be on the streets on the 3rd. Mm -hmm. So listeners, what Brendan and I are thinking about is we're going to do kind of a first thoughts on July 11th or so, right around that time. Reading the edition, talking about the changes. Some of the major things we see that we know, at least in terms of objective facts about the book.
1: Right. And we are going to, in that kind of time and space, develop a hypothesis Mm -hmm. of what we think is going to work, how it is that, you know, we're looking to approach some of this stuff, Mm -hmm. truly honest to God, first impressions, Mm -hmm. right? You know, it, it might be that, you know, we've had a game or two just to, on our own accord, you know, just... Feeling it out, right? hmm You know, not grinding no. through games no, no. And, and lists and things like that. <laughs> no, not but five just, games in five days. But just yeah. a, oh, okay. This is kind of the pacing of things. Right. This
0: is how uh, this rule works. But then what we're going to do is we do have an event. We have Circle City in the middle of the month in July. And hopefully, we don't know for sure, but hopefully Mike will let us play with 3.0 rules. We don't know this, but it, it, hopefully he will. So we can get more reps. We can get real validated reps. We can out in the field
1: data, well, but it is it would be twenty four people, right? That's correct. Who have all looked at the same, you know, framework and mm-hmm. said, "Interesting, I am going to choose to solve this problem X way with these tools that we know mm-hmm. we have now." And you know, we will be able to be at the event and say, "Okay, I see what they were looking at. This worked, but this did not." Mm-hmm. And we will go there with our own thing of, "I'm going to try and solve it with these tools," and at mm-hmm. the end of it, we'll go this worked and this did not. Right,
0: And we're going to come back then to you somewhere around the 23rd, 24th of July. So about two weeks after the next one, we're going to bring Tyler Emerson as we have our annual visit with him and have him talk to us about what he has seen, what his thoughts are. Plus what we've seen after we've been out in the field with this thing and field tested it. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the plan for the next few episodes and what we're planning on doing with 3.0. So we're going to take it. I'm not going to say slow and easy, but we're going to take it steady and we're going to try to have a deliberate way we're going to approach it. And hopefully that'll be something that'll be useful as always to you. I think that's it, Brendan though. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. Well, thank you as always, sir. Thanks for going through this amazing book with me. This was exciting, much anticipated, and hopefully, listeners, it was useful to you and you enjoyed our banter. We hope everybody's doing well as the light gets bigger at the end of the tunnel here with all other things going on in the world and in life. And we hope you stay happy, stay healthy, and we will see you next time around. Bye! This is the end.